today, the Howard Stern Show gets a very special treat. Oh, yeah, great. Oh, my God. That's a treat. As seven-time Grammy winners Coldplay perform live from the Apollo. What are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Oh, that's so good. It's incredible radio. Only on the Howard Stern Show. Another highlight. Yeah, we're a full-service show. We, uh, very professional show. We, we, we can mash up songs as good as anyone. There we go. Hey, now. Little Rob Zombie and Coldplay. Yeah, looking forward to those guys. Um... A couple of years ago, I got to interview Chris Martin, lead singer, songwriter of Coldplay, uh, guitar player and keyboard player, and, uh, you know, had a nice conversation, but I haven't seen him in a while. And they came out with a new album, and the boys are going to be uh, doing a Sirius XM concert from the Apollo Theater, and musicians really love playing the Apollo because of the rich history of uh, artists in uh, Harlem playing that uh, Apollo Theater. So, anyway, that's how that all it's came about. It's not acoustics? No great acoustics there? No, I think that's where a lot of struggle occurred. And artists like struggle. Do you know what I'm saying, Robert? I don't think I have to explain no, it's, the whole... it's iconic. A lot of famous and incredible so, performers have been on that stage. Yeah, um... Yeah, right before I was on the Ed Sullivan show for my first appearance, I warmed up at the Apollo, and I went over an entire black audience. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, that's my story. You see, that was the big thing. It was known that the Harlem Apollo Theater audiences were the toughest audience, especially for white people. And then no, you they were go tough on. on everybody. They wanted good entertainment. They got out of the house to go see somebody perform. That wasn't an all-the-time thing. So you better be good. Don't bring your garbage here. And the uh, audience would um, boo you quickly if you were, if you sucked, and then the guy would literally come out with a hook, I think, and hook you right off yeah, the Yeah, yeah, drag you off. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's Coldplay's first full performance since the pandemic and the first time playing at the Apollo. And Anyway, they're going to do a couple of songs for us. And we'll see how all that goes. I suspect it'll be awesome. So I didn't know they had seven Grammys. How impressive. Seven Grammys. How many do you have? I have zero. Right. (laughs) Hi, Tracy. Good morning. You're on in New York. I got a lot to get to, but uh, our listeners come first. I see a few people are on the line and they need me. Yes, Tracy. Okay. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm a long, <laughs> I'm a long time fan listener, but yesterday I have to say I felt really bad for Gary. I feel like, you know, <laughs> he works really hard for you. And how do you know that? But the guy has a well, 
gets I mean, really, dad. how do you know that? I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And probably do you have evidence for us? <laughs> yeah. How do you have evidence that Gary works really? <laughs> well, I mean, Gary says he works really on. hard for me. What? Well, you got Coldplay coming on. He books you good gas. Mm. I don't know. I just, you know, I worry about you. Like, I worry, like. That I'm going to hell? Pandemic is real. What? Not that I'm going health, to. Mental health. Oh. No, I worry about you. <laughs> No, no in fact, uh, I had the psychiatrist yesterday. He talked me down pretty good. He took me from about 100 to 50 if I was to what evaluate. What was going on, on that you were at 100? I was super angry. Uh, I wasn't even aware of it till I started talking to him, and I realized really? I'm fucking pissed Just some, off. like, seething anger you no. did You weren't even aware you were. I was pissed off around. about getting older. I was pissed off about everything. Well, what are you going to do about that? Is there a cure? <laughs> yeah, there is. You got to accept it. Ah. You, you know who has the hardest time getting old? Who? Narcissists. Me. My mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, your mother's a narcissist <laughs> like me. People who are narcissists have the hardest time yeah, getting old because we want perfection. And it set me off. I was uh, looking at a picture of me from about 15 years ago. I think Beth took it. I was, uh, I just finished running and I was in my running shorts. I had my shirt off. My feet were up on my desk. And I'm, so all I had on was my short shorts, my running short shorts. And and your feet were of, on the desk? Yeah. And so all, you could see my entire body except for, you know, my penile and my penile area. And uh, I was looking at myself and I go, man, I look good. You know, I had the abs. I had, uh, had, had it going on. And then I started getting upset with how I look now and. My body and aging and, and the whole fucking deal and issues all the time. Having to go to the doctor. I, I, I don't like any of it and I'm fighting it. And that's what, that's what assholes do, you know, like, uh, Fuck you. If, if you have that affliction. Well, then everybody must be a narcissist. I haven't heard anybody no. raving about it. <laughs> no, not everyone is a narcissist. I'll tell you who isn't a narcissist. Jane Fonda. <laughs> Jane Fonda. Um, are you I was kidding me? Hold on. What are you jumping down my throat here? I'm trying to get something going. All I'm right, trying to tell ahead. you something. Explain to me how she's not a narcissist. I had a wonderful conversation with her. And I was talking to her about this subject, about aging, because she's in her 80s. And I said, God, aren't you angry? I mean, you were the exercise woman, and you could twist, and you could turn, and you could do this and that. And she said to me, you know, I don't look at life like that. I look at what I can do now. She goes, look at how I, how I can turn my neck and look at how I can turn my head and look at how I can do this and twist my body this way. She said, I just am grateful for what I can do. And I said, now there's a healthy woman. Well, can I ask a question and, and don't jump down my throat if, if go ahead. I do. No, I'll jump right down that throat. <laughs> go ahead. What's with all the plastic surgery? All right. Look, a lot of women. You know, not everyone's as blessed as you. This woman looks young, Robin, oh. I'm talking about. She didn't have to do any work. You should see her. <laughs> I should do some work. <laughs> you don't need work. You look very young. Your face is oh. young. You don't have a wrinkle. You look but, great, uh, Robin. Yeah, 99% well, of the... Thank you. You're damn right. 99% of the women aren't blessed like Robin. <laughs> All right. My mother's eighty-nine years old. No, you're right, Robin. There's a lot of behaviors of women in Hollywood that are narcissistic, obviously. But 
But I'm saying there's, there, there, I'm showing you this is a sign of health when someone can say, I'm grateful for what I can do as opposed to what my body doesn't do now. And so, but I yeah, think you, there's a little bit of a denial that she's handling everything so well because she's not accepting all of it. No, she's she's together. I'm telling you. All right. Yeah, I just see what I see. I don't know. I know what I see. And I see you. <laughs> That's what I see. OJ. I see OJ. But he's looking real scared. Uh, anyway, Tracy, to answer your question about yesterday's show, I believe, I believe you're right that uh, I was having a perfectly reasonable conversation with Gary. And then Michael Rappaport called in. And he started beat. He started beating up Gary really, really badly on yesterday's show, and I, you know, I think it just appeared to be like a pile on. So, you know what I mean. So I think I, I probably should have said to Michael, maybe not now, because I've just, you know, talked to Gary. Yeah. And now yeah, you're piling you know, in there. I got I a little yeah. bit itchy when that started to happen too. It was sort of yeah. like we can do this, but you shouldn't do this. <laughs> yeah, or you should do it. Di at a different time than when I'm doing it. Let's put a rule right. into Well, effect. not now. Like, you shouldn't be here now while right. this is going on because it's already taken care of. Gary's being pumped. I've already, I've already um, whipped Gary into shape. I don't need you to jump in there. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you. He's crazy. Yeah. After yesterday's show, uh, Gary was working very hard. I saw it had a big effect. On my <laughs> Did it, it had an effect. Yeah. Put a little big, put, put a little pep in his step. <laughs> At six o'clock last night, he was still yeah. texting. <laughs> yeah. He was hunting down guests. He booked Jesus Christ. He got so motivated. Oh my goodness. No, Gary, Gary's my man. He doesn't have to worry about it. You know? All right. All right. But, and you but take you're, care of yourself. You got to, you know, I am. I met the shrink. Okay, but, I, you know, I worry about, listen, I'm all for vaccinations. I'm all for social distancing. I wear my mask. But honestly, I don't think this is ever going away. And I think that somehow we're going to have to learn to live with it. And, if it, yes. you, you know, if you're vaccinated and you're, at, you know, keeping you out of the hospital, it, it's going to wind up being like the flu. You're going to have to get vaccinated every year. And you can't hold yourself up in your house forever. Well, I can, actually. I'm very happy be being I'm very happy being in the house. I'm not complaining about it. My wife had to go into the city yesterday, and I critiqued her entire day where she wore. Sometimes she's wearing the mask. Sometimes she wasn't. I was like, honey. How did you know when she was wearing and not wearing the mask? She reported to me her entire day, and then I evaluated it for her. Ah, she told yeah. you. Yeah. Well, first of all, because sometimes uh, Beth's like, yep, I had, she had a doctor appointment for a checkup, and she went, and she goes, I wore a mask the whole time, and I didn't, you know, she was having difficulty with the mask, and she even said to the nurse, do I need to wear the mask, because you guys are all wearing masks, and she goes, you know what, I think you should wear it, and uh, that was good advice. But then, uh, then she was uh, in a car, and then they weren't wearing masks, and, and I, so I was like, uh. "Yeah, you see." So I, I became critical. Well, I became critical after I banged her. First, I banged her, and then I became <laughs> first. Critical. You got that out of the way, but the, it, that doesn't make any sense at all. 
Because if, I, he, if you're thinking she's I exposed. Know. When it comes to banging, I don't make any sense. <laughs> she was gone all day. And I took my walk by myself. Well, not by myself. I called my daughter and we talked for an hour. She, I need someone to talk to me during my walk. I need a constant babysitter. <laughs> so, uh, but I, to me, that was walking by myself. I took a walk and I was lonely. And then Beth came home and I said, that's it. I'm banging you. And that's how I, that's my romance. And, uh, uh-huh. that, that really, uh, turns a woman on. <laughs> yeah. And I gave, I gave it to her very, very well. I thought, I thought I did a really good performance. But, did she uh, evaluate you? <laughs> no, but I think she was, she, she told me this morning that I was all charged up. Like I was very, oh, very, okay. I was oh, very that focused. Mean something. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, uh, things were really good for her, but you never know. You never know. You never well, know with you ladies. There. She's here this morning. Yeah. <laughs> if she had packed her bags and signed a note and said, look, I'm not coming home. That's it. I can't take it anymore. Yeah. She didn't cry, which is a good sign. <laughs> I've experienced that in my life. Are you going to make her get a COVID test? No. Yeah. We do get tested, actually. We do actually get tested. Not for each other, uh, but for others. No. For other people who are around us, we'll do yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, so I have a question for you. Yeah, sure. So I have, she happens to be like my best friend, and she is not vaccinated. Her and her partner had COVID, and it's been like a contention between the two of us. We're really trying to bring it up, but they've gotten their antibodies checked, and they have like 200 antibodies. And so my question is, do you think because of that, um, like, I mean, getting the vaccine is giving you antibodies. So these people, because they ha- haven't gotten the vaccine but gotten themselves tested for the antibodies, is that like a little bit of a a, a, a pass, I guess? No, well, I'll I'm tell you why. Well, I'm glad you called an expert. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've come to the right place. You're talking with Dr. <laughs> Sturt. Here's, here's the thing, Tracy. My rules are very clear on this pandemic. Any doctor will tell you, even if you've had COVID, you must get the vaccine. These are medical doctors. This is who I go by. I don't go by, uh, you know, the conservative websites. I don't go. They say, get it. That ensures the rest of the society will be safe. It ensures that we might even have a shot at getting rid of this thing, you know, getting it under control. And so, no, it doesn't give them a pass. They're not doctors. They don't get to make the rules. The rules are get vaccinated. That's the rule. Get vaccinated. There's no exception. Uh, They decide they have 200 antibodies. What fucking cockamamie bullshit is that? They don't know what they, maybe they had an antibody test a while ago. Who the fuck knows? They they went and got an antibody test. I guarantee you. You don't know how long those antibodies last. If you point out, Howard, they could have had that test six months ago. You bet, Robin. Don't listen to your well, fucking asshole friends. Ostracize <laughs> them. Make fun of them. Do what I did to Gary yesterday and what Michael Rappaport did. All right, Tracy, don't don't give them a pass. Right. Humiliate them until they get vaccinated. Keep, keep them apart from society. Eventually they'll, they'll succumb. Okay. I'm vaccinated. You should be vaccinated. We all should be vaccinated. Oh, my God. Yesterday, I'm sitting there. Oh, by the way, speaking of Michael Rappaport, then he wrote a song. You know, 
Not only was he goofing on Gary yesterday, then he sent me a song. He ran out and recorded a song. He is on fire, this guy. And listen to this. <laughs> this is Michael Rappaport. After he called in and goofed on Gary, he sent me this. Bowie, this is Michael Rappaport with another diss track for your big monkey lips. I gotta set your lazy ass straight. Talking about you playing pickleball, your lips look like pickles, you orangutan. Gary don't wanna work. That smelly monkey just wants a nap all day. The big fucking monkey. Gary's a big lazy jerk. He just wants to sit home and eat plantain and stuff his fucking mouth. Howard said he's been with you for 37 years and out of those 37 years you've only worked for three. You claim to be an expert in gadgets. You like gadgets so much? Get an alarm clock, sleepy. <laughs> it's funny. But oh he ganged up. I'm not going to allow that anymore. When I'm no. when I'm ganging up on Gary, no one else can gang up on him, okay? That's the, I stayed I mean, away. I didn't say anything. Well, you do everything right. Questions. What? <laughs> didn't say a word. I, I mean, you got to stop. Jesus. You're gonna, the, the fucking lightning's coming through your house right now. I just asked questions. She's not, she was not mean to you. I, I take full credit for that. Robin was a lady. I just reminded um, him of things. There was a bunch of mail on this. There's no way that Gary is working as hard as he did while he was in the office. This is a guy who fell asleep at his desk with a bedroom right down the hall. That's a nap waiting to happen. So a lot of people <laughs> suspect Gary's not working as hard. Howard, you're being too hard on Gary. He's so devoted to you in the show. Give him a break. Um, here's some advice for Gary. Gary needs to stop being so public about what he's doing in his spare time. If he just enjoyed it privately and didn't brag about it to everyone, he'd have no problem. That's true. He insists on talking to the guys in the office about his every hobby, his every uh, big accomplishment with uh, going to shows and getting the best seats and <clears throat> And it does um, bring up a lot of uh, feelings about Gary having too much free time. Uh, Michael Rappaport, uh, people weighed in about him. The audience has split on their feelings about Michael. I'm so sick of Michael Rappaport's obnoxious attitude towards Gary. It gets so old. Rappaport is a one-trick pony. Get new material. This one says, I love, love, love when Michael Rappaport calls in to goof on Gary. He brings a different goofing on Gary flavor. More Rappaport. <laughs> Uh, this one says, I like Mac Michael Rappaport. I'd like to hear him talk about something other than just making fun of Gary's teeth. I'll make that happen the next time. I'll I'll talk to him uh, about uh, other things in his life. Yeah. yeah. I can't understand why one of the best actors of today is so obsessed with bullying a radio producer. Well, that's what makes it interesting. And then he sent me the song, and I thought the song that was song well is done. Funny, yes. It is funny. Well, you Which know, yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about Gary. Gary has a... a premier status in pop culture <clears throat> that I think is going away because oh, I heard about he hasn't it. been back on the baseball pitch, you know, on that pitcher's mound trying to throw a baseball. Conor McGregor yeah. threw out the first pitch at what, Wrigley Field or something yesterday? And, and it almost looked like Gary's pitch. Yeah, Conor McGregor's an athlete. He fucked up yeah. big time. And now I go to look, and Gary's like six or seven on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Not in my book. I don't like that. He was number one. Well, here's the deal. Conor McGregor, number one, 
No one's going to goof on him, at least to his face, because they'll, they'll beat the <laughs> shit out of you. He's a fucking madman. He That's gets into right. fights on the red carpet with Machine Gun Kelly. I mean, he he'll just he gets pissed off. You're fucked. He'll still do that chokehold on you and squeeze you like a like a snake <laughs> squeezing his prey. Uh, but also, Conor McGregor does have an excuse. Don't forget, he grew up in where Ireland, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Ireland, Scotland, one of those places. They don't have baseball over there. They got that stupid other fucking game. They, you know, cricket, cricket, (laughs) asshole kind of uh, sport. They actually try to throw the ball into the ground in cricket. Right. Gary grew up in America and was a little league coach. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he was a guy going, listen, kids, here's what I would do. If you want to learn how to throw a ball, do what I do. Now, I'm when you go out there, <laughs> yeah, when you go out there, you got to just be calm and you get the open food. What? <laughs> I mean, here's the difference between Conor McGregor and Gary. Gary hired a special pitching coach to train him for the big day. And I, I guarantee you, Conor McGregor put zero thought into it. Right. Con- Conor McGregor yeah. did nothing. <laughs> yeah. Gary went to a sports psychologist, a pitching coach was a pitching coach, and grew up in America. <laughs> I mean, there's no fucking excuse for that. Uh, Gary then followed up by going on the Jimmy Kimmel show live and throwing a pitch to Jimmy Kimmel, and he hit a girl in the audience's head with the ball. It was the same pitch. Kimble, it went Kimble. right out into the audience. <laughs> Jimmy said, let me see. He says, hey, I saw your pitch. Right now, here's a glove. Uh, throw throw a ball to me. And Gary goes, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to be a guest. And Jimmy's like, I mean, no one knows who you are. Just throw the ball to me. Gary did the wind-up, threw it to Jimmy. It missed Jimmy completely and hit some lady in the audience's head. Yeah. <laughs> and then she died. Yeah. Well, not from your well, pitch. Well, not directly from your pitch. No, probably indirectly. <laughs> And then a couple of weeks later, Robin came on and was talking about Gary's pitch. And Jimmy goes, well, why don't you throw me a pitch? And Robin threw a perfect pitch to Jimmy. (laughs) How embarrassing. In high heels. In high heels. And Robin was like, listen, I I don't know why you're asking me to pitch. I have nothing to do with this. I don't want to be a pitcher. But but she said, okay, sure. And then she pitched it and it was fine. Right into Jimmy's glove. Like like, um, Tom Seaver, you were. (laughs) Uh, okay, as long as, I, I, again, uh, before uh, Coldplay comes in and we, we get off uh, on some music talk, uh, there also was a lot of talk about a couple other things on yesterday's show. A lot of people like me running down what happened um, that in that rare period of time musically with Nirvana, Soundgarden, and Pearl Jam. Yeah. Listeners, listeners like that walk down memory lane, Howard. A lot of love for Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder this morning, and I'm here for it. The 90s were the greatest era of music ever, and Pearl Jam were the leaders. Um, this breakdown of vocal tracks on Nirvana's Nevermind is fascinating. Kurt Cobain would have been a great interview on The Stern Show if he was still alive. Thank God we were all able to hear you sit down with Chris Cornell a few times. Yeah. Thank God is right. Uh, superb walk down music memory lane this morning. Howard did a great job analyzing the change brought to the music industry by the release of those three iconic albums. 
And uh, more excitingly from yesterday's show, a lot of people weighed in about um, how perverted our staff is. And it really oh. made me realize that I have a habit of hiring people who are just degenerates. I was thinking about it all day. Yeah. I think we've normalized these people. <laughs> we've normalized crazy. <laughs> Howard, by far, uh, Jason. Prison. Howard, by far, jerking off in Spanish class has got to be the craziest back-to-school story of the day. What was Jason thinking? Jason es muy perverto. <laughs> Repeat that, Robin. Jason es muy perverto. Jason es muy perverto. <laughs> From jumping out of uh, classroom windows, to me, that was the funniest. Mike jumping out a window. From jumping out of classroom windows to releasing pythons in the hallways, your staff shouldn't be working for you. They should be locked up in a prison for the criminally insane. Yeah, like the Joker and Penguin. Yeah. Where's that? Uh, Hark? What is the name of that prison? Arkham. Uh, Scarecrow's locked up there. (laughs) They let him out every once in a while. Just to to wreak havoc. Uh, Howard, uh, when I was listening about Sal, I never heard of Plumper's Magazine. Neither had I. Um, No. Even as a teenager, I never heard of that. Sal was destined to be the guy who would one day jerk off in your office space. Yeah, we should have known that when we hired him. Just that, you know, he was making a tour of the town to get napkins. You know, like, he couldn't even figure out napkins. Like, there's napkins at K-Rock. But he's going around town collecting them and getting thrown out of McDonald's because of it. Speaking of masturbating at work. Uh, I thought it would be fun to play this for you. And since I'm talking about it now, we'll do an early morning phone call, uh, phony phone call. You remember CNN, uh, that guy, Jeffrey Tubin, who was yeah. an analyst and he was on a Zoom meeting and he got jerk- cut, caught jerking off. Yes. And uh, I guess he worked at the New Yorker or something and his colleagues, he was in a meeting on a Zoom and he got caught jerking off. Yeah, they were talking about election coverage. This was before the election. And so they were planning their you know, assignments and so forth during election coverage, and somehow he got overtaken. Yeah. Well, anyway, in light of yesterday and in light of that story, I don't know if you remember, but when we were talking about Jeffrey Tubin, I was, there were clips of me goofing on Tubin, and the guys chopped him up, and then they uh, played him for an employee relations expert. It's pretty fun. Oh. Yeah, so I'm on this phony phone call. They chopped up my Jeffrey Tubin goofs, goofs and Dan went after this whole phone call. It's very complex. Hmm. Um, here we go. little phony phone call action. And we're back with the Jack and Rod Show, and we'd like to welcome employee relations expert. Good morning, guys. Good morning. He's going to tell us how to maintain employee mental health and well-being even when we're working remotely. So go ahead, sir. Well, even though uh, most of us have shifted from in-person work to remote, we can still build quality relationships with coworkers. And well, that's wonderful. Crew, and we uh, actually have a coworker of ours on the phone who was recently caught by his colleagues doing something very unsettling on Zoom. He's on the phone to apologize and also to learn from you. So please welcome Howard Tubin. Welcome, Howard. Hi, Howard. Uh, yeah, just calling to apologize for my masturbation at that Zoom meeting. I hope, uh, hope I could talk to you about it. Talk to me about it. Uh, well, I... I don't know if there's much to talk about. If you were pleasing yourself in front of your coworkers, then you know you did something wrong, and I, I guess I'm surprised you're still employed. As part of my apology, I'd like to know if you have um, 
any feedback on my jerking session. It would be appreciated. Well, thankfully, I wasn't there to see it, but uh, feedback. Yes, um, you're lucky you weren't fired. Uh, if I were your boss, you'd be gone immediately, mistake or not. I know it must have been strange for you when I put the cigarette out on my penis. Oh, goodness, guys. Uh, I'm not sure what this has to do with what we're talking about. He's being very graphic. Well, he's just very open, and we thought it would be good for his healing if he talked honestly with you about what happened. Okay, well, Howard, you've apologized, so I'm not sure there's a need for details about what happened on the Zoom call. Hold on a second, please, if you don't mind. I'm making a homemade yogurt for my breakfast. Uh, sure you are. Uh, can we talk about something else? Yeah. Howard, can you get back to your apology? I think our guest is really helping you have a breakthrough. I was a really bad boy. Would you tell me I was a really bad boy? No. And I don't want to tell you anything because it doesn't sound like you've learned anything from this mistake. And you don't appreciate that you're very lucky to still have a job. Howard, are you pumping off right now? No, no, no. I'm, I'm shaking a can of paint. All right, guys. You guys uh, obviously haven't learned a thing, and I'm wasting my time. What you're hearing is me adjusting my necktie for work. Oh, give me a break. Do you think I should shave my balls? They're pretty hairy. I know that. I know <laughs> Jesus, you saw Jack, that. Ron, are, are you still there? Can you cut him off so I can just talk to you? This is stupid. Just wanted to know, too. Do you think my balls were too saggy? Get this pervert <laughs> off the phone, please, or I'm hanging up. Were you shocked to see I had foreskin? Stupid ass. Thanks for accepting my apology. Ooh. Wow. By he the way, really I... really angry. I particularly enjoy that uh, the vigorous shaking of the penis. I mean, yeah, that, that's that was... quite um, a lot of friction you're creating there. If that was you beating off, yeah, that sounds to me like uh, you get quite an irritation from that. <laughs> Might need some Desinex on that penis. Yeah, yeah. Might need a little salve. <laughs> so yesterday was a busy day. I was Jeffrey uh, Tubin kept his job, so you know. Yeah. Why didn't That's you? Right. Why shouldn't you, Howard yeah. Tubin? <laughs> Howard Tubin. I, I played the role of Howard Tubin in that phony phone call. <laughs> so I think Dancing with the Stars premiered uh, Monday? Monday night. Yeah, I watched it last night because I said, "Oh, this might be something we'll talk about." Yeah, you're smart, because it is going to be something. I, I got into bed. I immediately texted Beth. Because my, I, I, at first I yell, I go, honey, honey, I'm about to watch Dancing with the Stars. Do you want to watch or am I solo on this? Thank God nobody else was around to hear that conversation. <laughs> Honey. What a thing for a guy yeah, to be yelling. What a thing. <laughs> At my advanced age. Honey, I'm about to start dancing with the stars. So, uh, yeah, Beth wanted in, so I had to wait for her to finish up her cat rounds. and She she has to lock up the house and everything. I don't do any of that. She does all the guy <laughs> stuff. I'm, I'm, I just lay in bed thinking, because that's my job. I see. Thinking about the show. And also um, big, big, big topics like vaccinations and, you know. Global warming, I'm sure, comes up for you. Yeah, ceiling debt, all that. <laughs> debt ceiling is what it's called. <laughs> Come on. These are my jumbled thoughts. 
So Beth finally made it into bed. And uh, she hydroed twice yesterday. Wow. And, uh, I got upset about it. Is she Just in fucking... training for something? No. Th- Jimmy bought, Jimmy and Molly visited us, as I've told you, this summer. Uh-huh. And they insisted on getting us gifts because we were such excellent hosts. And um, Beth was admiring Molly's ring, and Molly goes, that's no ordinary ring. That tracks my health, and we're going to get you guys one. I said, I don't want it. Don't send it to me. I'm not, I don't need to track my health. She said, no, it's a ring. It tells you how well you slept. I go, I know how I slept. <laughs> imagine you I don't think know how I they're sl- sleeping. <laughs> no, imagine how I sleep well, in my opinion. And then I get a, I wake up in the morning, ring goes, you had a horrible night's sleep. I'm neurotic. I'll be like, oh, fuck. I thought I slept well. I didn't know. No, you did. It measures well, what did REM. I do wrong? Now I'm yeah, right. well sleeping well. Yeah, I said, please don't get me a ring. Well, they sent me one and they sent Beth one anyway. Oh, no, you're going to love it. And then it tracks um, how much you walk, how many steps you take, you know, that kind of stuff. All that stuff, yeah. So she's wearing it. She doesn't like gadgets at all, but she loves Molly. And she loves Jimmy. And so she's so into this ring. And I go, if I got you that ring, you would never fucking wear the ring. <laughs> I said, it, it, like, like, really, you love them that much that you want the ring? Take the ring off. It's going to ruin our lives. So every day now, by 10 a.m., Beth goes, I hit my, I hit my goal already. I've, I've already walked enough in the house. I hit my goal. Like, she's so busy with these cats and everything and she cleans she's at like nine thousand steps by 10 o'clock in the morning and she's and she's obsessed with it she starts telling me she goes we just went on our walk i've already walked three miles in the house and then we go for a walk for three or four miles she goes i'm already at seven miles and i mean it's getting me crazy i go how'd you sleep she goes oh, i i don't want to know how i slept and then she looks at it and she goes it says i slept well even though she thought she slept poorly oh uh, so this ring is driving me nuts because yesterday Beth had to go into the city for um, just a, a routine doctor appointment. As I said, uh, she comes home. She goes, oh, I feel like such a load. I was sitting in the car all day. It took four hours to get into the city. Forget about it. Traffic's Ooh. just back to being horrible. Well, Biden was there at the UN. You know, That's everything was right. Bad. Yeah. So. Goes, oh my God, I haven't done anything. I, haven't. I said, honey, according to that ring, you have met your goal every day. And even the ring emailed her the other day and said, you know, it'd be okay to take one day off. They, they recommend you okay. take a day off and not work out so hard. Uh huh. Well, next thing I know, she says, oh, I, um, I did a half hour on the hydro. I've, I've reached my goal. You know, she had to do something. She couldn't, she had to couldn't do it. take it not reaching her goal. Okay. I was like, all right. Well, when I was waiting in bed for her for Dancing with the Stars, I go, where were you? You know, because we love to start it. We want to see it together. Uh-huh. She goes, um, look, like she was hiding something from me. I go, what happened? She goes, I, I, I did a second half hour hydro. I go, what? Just like that. I go, you what? Because I wasn't even, I, I was ready for Dancing with the Stars. She goes, I just hydroed. <laughs> I, I said, again? So she'd hit her goal. Oh, my goodness. So she did an hour on a rowing machine. She couldn't take it. Couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. The ring is driving her crazy. Take over your life. Thank you.
call her and tell her that instead of sitting there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have called. I didn't know your this ring was is, happening. Your ring is saying, call Beth. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I've never seen anybody row like her. She should be a professional rower. She, she loves that hydro, and she knows what she'd do in a class. She knows what she'd say. She knows the music yeah. she wants to play. Yeah, she wants to teach the class. She should. And meanwhile... She's good. Yeah. She smiles through the whole thing. I walk in, she's smiling. I go, are you insane? You're smiling on, on a high... I said, that thing's, that thing's hard. It's supposed to be miserable when you exercise. She loves it. She goes, I love it. I love the machine. And I tell you, I see her body's ripped from it. If I did that every day, forget about it. I'd look like a god. <laughs> you know who should have gotten Olivia Jade's rowing scholarship? Beth. Yeah, she could really, yeah. she's really put in the time. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Beth finally got in bed. And she was so loopy from doing an hour on hydro that she actually banged her ankle into the night table. Oh. And she was like, oh, I go, honey, do you want me to go get ice for you? She goes, no, 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 I'll, I'll just suffer through it. And I really didn't want to get ice. I wanted to get started with Dancing with the Stars. I've <laughs> <laughs> been laying there for like 10 minutes waiting. You think you just jump up and go get the ice? No, no I, I know <laughs> she's going to say no. <laughs> no, if, I'd rather discuss it first. Do you need ice? Because I'll go get you some. No, I don't need it. Most gentlemen would run downstairs and just get ice. That's right. Yeah. Ice doesn't work anyway. Oh, it does. If you put it on immediately, it can cure it. I don't want Beth to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) You're wrecking me today. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll be quiet. I I know how to ask in a way that I'm sure she'll say no. You know what I mean? I go like, you know, (laughs) I go. You have that way. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want me to go down and get some ice or do you want to start dancing with the stars? Anyway, so we started watching that. She was asleep within five minutes. I was going to say, she probably fell asleep during the show. She's so tired from hydroing. Yeah. Well, Tyra's still the host. I'm kind of shocked. I thought they'd get rid of Tyra uh, after like a season or two. I mean, her delivery is unusual of the lines. You know, she's very excited. She says every every word has a uh, uh, an intense... You know, it's like, now all of you are with us, and we're having a... The thing that got me was, we're going to have a party up in this ballroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Every word has a... I am so happy to be back in this ballroom. Every word has its own personality. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But I know Tyra. She, you know, she's always been pretty nice to me, to us. She's been on yeah, the show. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, she's just got to calm down. She's like yelling over the music and pretty amped up. And it's almost like this here ballroom. I'm like, where is she going with this ballroom? Yeah. Up in this yeah. ballroom. Yeah. So uh, I was watching for Olivia Jade. I. I was a little annoyed because, uh, you know, she's the girl whose parents uh, paid to get her into college. The, the the lady from Full House, that's Olivia Jade's mom, and she paid to get her into college. And that pisses me off 
Is she in college or is she not? She's not. Oh, she's right? not in any college. No, <laughs> she's she's done with that. After all that, yeah. Her Olivia parents Jade. went to prison for her to go to college. And and they, you know, I'm like, you know, what is with scandal in our country? Like, certain people get to go on Dancing with the Stars if they've been in a scandal uh, to repair their image ostensibly, but other people don't. I think if you're involved in any kind of sex crime, you don't get to go on Dancing with the Stars. But if you, no, Jared from Subway, won't be on Dancing with the Stars. Right, or or like Bill Cosby, or the guy from you know the Hey Now guy who got drummed out of uh, transvestites or whatever that was called. Trans. Oh, uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor. I don't think he gets to go on Dancing with the Stars to hey re- resurrect um, his his yeah. um, reputation. I don't even think Louis Louis C.K. gets to go on Dancing with the no. Stars because no. you know because he jerked off. Charlie Rose for sure, because he was running around bottomless in front of his assistants. <laughs> Charlie Rose. <laughs> we know Charlie. He's just a good time. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> unless you, you know work what? for him. I did see that Kevin Spacey yeah. was working in some Eastern European country. Yeah. Kevin can't get on Dancing with the Stars now because <laughs> he was up to some shenanigans. But he can go to some place, you know, with one of those Slavic names and work. Yeah. Maybe they have a Dancing with the Stars. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, because, like, Olivia Jade came on pretty early, and they, they barely mentioned the cheating scandal. They had to mention it. They did. and Well, they don't um, directly mention it. They just sort of, you, the past means nothing to us. I know nothing about right. the past. All I know is what you're doing right now. Yeah, I like I, I can play it for you. It's pretty good. It's like... um Olivia Jade comes on. She goes, hi, everybody. I'm best known for being an influencer. And I'm like, and I'm sitting in bed. I go to bed. No, you're best known for cheating to get into college. You're not, you're not best known for being an influencer. Right. You know, she should have been up front and just said, listen, I'm best known because my parents paid for me to be on the rowing team and get in college. Well, I you keep know. thinking, you know, because every time she comes in, like even with the red table talk with Jada Pinkett and her mom mm. and her daughter, she was there to show another side of herself. Well, yeah. And this time she's there to show another side of herself. I'm like, when is this other side where we're going to see it? You know, you keep telling us it, but we never see it. Yeah. The idea is she keeps saying that, yeah. You're going to see a new a new side of me on Dancing with the Stars. I'm like, well, that hardly, you know, dancing well doesn't excuse <laughs> cheating to get into college. I mean, I, I, granted, seeing this side of you as a good dancer doesn't exactly make up for cheating to get into college. But that's the convoluted thinking on Dancing with the Stars. So Olivia Jade says she's best known for being an influencer. And I said to Beth, it's like, I said, honey, that's like OJ saying, He's best known as Nordberg from the Naked Gun <laughs> movies. You know, hi, my, my name is OJ, and you probably know me from the Naked Gun movies. My name was Nordberg. And you're like, no, we kind of know that uh, you were on no, trial for killing it. your wife. That's not it. <laughs> Maybe you know me from being a football player. No, that's not uh, it either. No, it's not that, because I'm not a big football fan. Right. I know you for a different reason. I can't quite put my finger on it.
The cues, not charts. Yes. I can't. Um, I want to see OJ on that. You know, it's a, it's a weird line. <laughs> Imagine they had like Hitler on there on Dancing with the Stars, oh right? Post World yeah. War II, instead of killing himself, he, okay, he goes on. They go, listen, we want to see a different side of Hitler. His agent says, we're going to put you on Dancing with the Stars. And then the package piece comes up and he goes, and they go, and now here's an aspiring artist. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Hi, you know me because I'm a painter. <laughs> he once wrote a song for the Beach Boys. Please welcome Charles Manson. Uh, yeah, that's true. He did. But I don't know. That's why we know him. Even the announcer, the person who, you know, announces who's on the, the cast. that year, <laughs> yeah. When he got to Olivia, he sort of mumbled. Influencer. Yeah. And here she is, Olivia you know. <laughs> Yeah. Because we all know why we know Olivia Jade. Anyways, I was like. Fashion, beauty, and lifestyle influencer, Miss Olivia Jade. I'm probably Meanwhile, she, she was pretty much the biggest star on there, honestly. Besides Olivia Matt, Jade. the bachelor. <laughs> Matt the Bachelor and Mel C from the Spice Girls. I felt bad for her, but I'll get to that in a minute. Best known for being an influencer. Welcome back to... I'm best known for being an influencer. Honey, nobody knew of you before this. Another video. But the last few years, I've been, I guess you could say, wrapped up in a scandal. The ugly truth that admission to college can be bought, bartered, and stolen for some. After everything happened, I did step back from social media and just soak in what everybody was saying. I'm not trying to pull a pity card, but I just need to move forward and do better. Are you ready for the challenge? I am. I just really want to show people that... I have a different side to me. I have a strong work ethic. <laughs> I got your back. You know, I'm not really job. looking at your past. You know, it's what you do here for me that's important. Dancing with the Stars is a perfect opportunity for the world to see another side of Olivia. Good. Yeah, her good work ethic is she's going to go dance somewhere? She wants to show people her work ethic. In other words, she took the easy way to get into college, and she wants to prove to people, I guess me and you, that she's a really hard worker, so she's going on Dancing with the Stars to prove that to us. Well, I think you were right. Get a job. Yeah. <laughs> you want to prove you're a hard worker. Get up at fucking five in the morning and get dressed for work and go there. This still seems like the same stuff she was doing. The other thing is, too, I've seen her with Jada Pinkett Smith and others. Her big line is, I'm not, I'm not pulling a pity card. I'm not looking for a pity party. Right. I think a I think a publicist told her to say that because, you know, because she keeps repeating that. I think they told her that's an important thing to keep saying. I'm not pulling a pity card, but I am pulling a pity card. I want you to feel sorry. Yeah, hammer that home while you pull the pity card. <laughs> They're going to vote her off so fast. You, you know, think? I, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like she's going to get voted off even before the Cobra Kai guy who can barely walk. Wow. The Cobra yeah. Kai guy was so funny. I love that guy. The He's Cobra the Kai guy. I didn't realize he was 74 years old. Yeah. You know the guy in Karate Kid who's the bad sensei, the Cobra Kai sensei? Well, 
He's still on TV. They have a Cobra Kai remake, and he's still on TV. I forget his real name. Yeah, it's the original guy, Martin something. It's the original guy from the movies when Ralph Macchio was a kid. Yeah. And he can't dance at all. No, he's an old man. And you know what? He just kept pointing to the girl he was dancing to. Here she is again. How did he think the judges were going to vote? Because he looks like an angry motherfucker. And he was just like, you know, that guy Len goes, you are horrible. You have to work on moving your feet. You have to dance. And I thought the Cobra Kai guy was going to fucking smash him right in the throat. And I'm like, dude, did you really expect them to like it? Are you out of your fucking mind? The guy did looked like he was going to have a heart attack. Did anyone? <laughs> yeah. And talk about being typecast. He's an actor who plays a karate guy. He comes out and right away he has to do a karate themed dance. Yeah. And he gives a... A lecture like he's in the Cobra Kai club. And I was like, this poor bastard, he can't get out of the stereotype of being the guy from Cobra Kai. It's just, you know. The agent probably said, I want you to go on there and show a different side of yourself. You're the Cobra <laughs> Kai guy. Try to avoid any kind of karate reference. And then two seconds and later, he's doing the pity card. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, everybody's got an agenda on that Dancing with the Stars. Like, I'm watching Brian Austin Green, and and I felt bad for him too because like they go, he goes, you best know me from Beverly Hills 90210, dude. That was 40 years ago, you know. But um, and they make him say that, and it's like, you know what? Don't make that kid. That guy's been through enough. His wife just left him. What the fuck? Um, but he had an agenda too, because Brian Austin Green was married to Megan Fox, the incredibly hot chick who now is with Machine Gun Kelly. And Megan Fox was just on the red carpet at the Video Music Awards with Megan Kelly. And, she, and Megan Fox is completely, almost naked, making out with Machine Gun Kelly. And it's, you know, after your wife leaves you, do you really want to see her with Machine Gun Kelly on the uh, red carpet making out? You know what I mean? So so his agenda, I believe, was to announce to the world that he's fucking one of the dancers, one of the professional dancers on um, on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, so I was, read that they, you know, they were actually a couple before I actually saw them on the show. And mm. so that was kind of crazy. I'm like, oh, you know, sometimes you wonder if people are going to fall in love on the show. He decided to fall in love with somebody who could get him on the show. And he probably said to himself, you know, my ex-wife is on the red carpet making out with a guy. I'm going to go on TV and make out with my hot new girlfriend. And so indeed, through their whole dance and everything, they're making out. They were making out uh, in the package. They were making out while the judges were, uh, you know, were evaluating them. And Right. While they uh, were getting their scores, they were making yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. They were literally, they, they couldn't keep their hands off each other. Brian Austin Green uh, really attempting to show us he's happy with his new dancer girlfriend and does not Look pine at her, away. And she's all yeah. over me. But then I got all worked up. See, this is why I'm at a psychiatrist. I go, who's watching those four kids that Megan Fox had with Brian Austin Green? She's making out with Machine Gun Kelly. He's making out with his new hot girlfriend on Dancing with the Stars. Who's got the kids? It's also confusing because I'm like, how does Brian Austin Green still manage to get the hottest chicks on the planet? I mean, he was in Beverly Hills 90210. Did he make that much money that... uh, Well, he uh, still works. I mean, he's been in a few things. 
Yeah. What thing has he been in? Could be on something right now. Remember that Terminator that we used to watch on TV? Remember when they yeah. tried to make a Terminator TV show? He was yeah. on that. Oh, okay. All right, good. Because, I mean, when he said, hey, you best know me from Beverly Hills 90210, I go, that credit's getting a little dusty. We got to, we got to, <laughs> you know, we got we got to get a new credit update. here. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, it's no, I best know you because you're, about. I best know you because you married Megan Fox, one of the hottest chicks on the planet, and now she's making out with Machine Gun Kelly. That's how I know you. They got to amp that show up and really have people be honest. Okay? You should just be like, you know what? It's been fucking humiliating. I had Megan Fox. I have four kids with her, so I thought we were locked in. <laughs> Next thing I know, she's running around naked with Machine Gun Kelly, and, and I'm she here. She went out one day and never came back, and yeah. I saw her with Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, and I'm looking a little loserish in the public eye, and I'm here on Dancing with the Stars to announce that I am fucking one of the hottest dancing instructors on this show. And to prove it, I'm going to make out with her while we're rehearsing, and I'm going to almost fuck her while the judges are judging us. And there's my agenda. Get the fuck away from me now. And who is watching my kids? You know, I, I so I felt bad because I like Brian. I was a big nine hundred two one zero guy, and I, I like yeah. that kid. And I felt bad for him. I, th I think it was like, hey, I'm trying to show you how great my life is right now, even though I might be crying inside. You know. Well, I I really felt for a lot of people who showed up on that show because they all have agendas. They're all trying to erase something. From the I think public I'm gonna, mind. Exactly. Everyone has an agenda on Dancing with the Stars. That's why I watch it. It's a fascinating show. And you want to know <laughs> something? I think I'm going to vote now. I'm going to watch that show live and vote for Brian Austin. Really? Green because, you yeah, I'll are. tell you why. If Beth suddenly took up with Machine Gun Kelly, <laughs> and, and I see the love of my life on the fucking red carpet in a nude outfit, and, and they're interviewing her, and they go, this is some outfit. She's basically naked. And then she goes, yeah. Machine gun designed my outfit. He said to me, honey, you're going to be naked on the red carpet. And I said, yes, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and if I saw that, I would have to go on Dancing with the Stars and fuck somebody in front of America. <laughs> you would start looking at the cast of Dancing with the Stars to see you, who you have to have sex with. <laughs> I'd be like, Len, come over here. I'm going to fuck you in your ass. <laughs> you too, Tyra. Get over here. Because this guy, Machine Gun Kelly, is cuckolding me in front of America. I don't like it. Even it's my Tyra woman. had to talk about how hot mm. the the look was that she gave yeah. Brian yeah. before they started to dance. Yeah. So Olivia Jade's agenda is to get America to somehow think she's a hard worker because she's on Dancing with the Stars. That is the opposite for me. I'm like... Shouldn't you be out working instead of being on Dancing with the Stars, learning a trade like the rest of us? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Women are not going to vote. Mostly women and me watch that show. And I, I am not voting for Olivia Jade. And I'm an Olivia Jade fan. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I know. I, actually, I thought you'd yeah. be on her team. No. No. I don't like this. Yeah, Michelle, you're on in Pennsylvania. Hey, Howard. How are you? I love you so much. Um, I, I just wanted to mention about this Olivia Jade thing. At the time, we were making application for my kid for, to go to college. And uh, yeah. when this scandal came out, it was, it was heartbreaking for, for regular people. Um, sure. You know, we, we were making applications to colleges, and uh, it's a difficult process. And for these people to think that they're so much better than other people. Right. They can, they, even even Fel Felicity Huffman, I'm a huge fan. Not, not that much anymore. 
I mean, Olivia you know, Jade doesn't stand a chance. They're going to vote her off in the first week because Michelle's not going to vote for her. Well, no, of course, I'm not either. I'm not you know, because I look at it and I say, wait a minute, she didn't really do anything. It was her parents who had this. She didn't even care about going to college. Well, wait a second. When she posed on the rowing machine for the application, I mean, that wasn't that photoshopped. <laughs> I mean, didn't somebody have to sit her down and say, listen, you got to go to school and pretend you're on the rowing team. I mean, somebody had to fill her in. I mean, how does that? I don't know how that I don't I mean, know no, she, that that was her posing no. for that picture. Howard, yeah, I don't know that. I, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think she did anything wrong, but you kind of know your grades and you know when you get accepted into college. If, you know, that's like I'm an idiot and my parents they met with the guidance counselor and the guidance exactly. counselor said, listen. He might be good for a BOCES program where he learns a trade, or he should be a speech therapist and go to an all-girls school called Elmira, upstate New York. So things were looking pretty bleak for me until they found this program for idiots at Boston University called the College of Basic Studies, where no matter how dumb you were, they would take you if you could prove yourself for two years and just basically do high school all over again. Now... If suddenly my parents came home and said to me, Howard, you're not going to believe this. Your father and I want to sit you down. We have very good news. Oh, yeah? What's that? You're not going to believe that. You're going to Harvard. <laughs> what? We just got the acceptance letter. You're a big idiot, but you're going to Harvard and do not ask any more questions of me. <laughs> That's right. Just go, pack your things, and don't say a word to anybody. You're in. That's it. You just sit there and listen. Before you go to Harvard, I want you to sit on this polo horse for a picture. <laughs> what? What do you mean? I've never been on a horse in my life. Shut up! <laughs> you cost me a fortune. What do you mean I cost you a fortune? Never mind. Go on the polo horse, you idiot. Going to Harvard? You're not only going to Harvard, you're going on a football scholarship. <laughs> what? I've never played football in my life. I'm built like a like 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 Nesferatu. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just go there and tell everyone that you're on the football team. And wear your beanie. What's a beanie? The football team hat, you idiot. I can't believe I'm going to Harvard. I mean, just the other day, the the guidance counselor told me I had to go to BOCES so I could either be a plumber or an electrician. You never even filled out an application. No, I don't recall filling out the application <laughs> of Harvard. Just don't be stupid. But I am stupid. You're not stupid. You go to Harvard and you should embrace it and... And, and wear your helmet. Put the helmet on and smile. What's the helmet Keep for? Keep it on. Keep for it football. On. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to Harvard. Just yesterday, things were looking so bleak. I had to go to Elmira, an all-girls school, and be a speech therapist. Listen, if anybody asks you, you tell them you're Native American. <laughs> what? That's right. You're part of the Blackfeet Indians. I am? That's right. Your black feet. <laughs> now hold this football for the picture. How do you hold a football? You hold it like a man. 
You idiot. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on when I'm on Dancing with the Stars. I had no clue my parents did that. Now, you kind of no, have feel, an idea. I, I feel sorry for these kids a little bit. I mean, they're, they're ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> yeah, don't feel bad for them. They're fine. Don't feel marry a rich guy. Don't uh, feel bad. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You act like that's a happy life. Look at Erica Jade. She married a rich man. <laughs> yeah. Court documents. Court documents. Well, I was happy for a while. Court documents said a picture of Olivia Jade on a rowing machine was sent by her father to Rick Singer to complete a rowing club profile. <laughs> Honey, we just need you to. You're not going to believe the good news. You've got into you. Uh, what was the college? Um, UCLA, or, I think. Oh, UCLA. Yeah. You're going to UCLA. But, but, USC, some one of them. Or anyway. USC, yeah, one of the two. Darling, you're going to USC. Really? Jeez. With a 2.0 average? I can't believe I got in. Yes, you did. Now sit down on that rowing machine. Should I wear something cute? Sure. Anyway, so she's trying so to repair her. They didn't even have image. a picture of her in a boat. They had her on a rowing yeah. machine? <laughs> yeah, rowing machine. That's good enough. <laughs> They threw the wrong machine in a bathtub. Right. <laughs> it's the same. But don't feel bad for Olivia. Her parents just bought a $13 million vacation home. I think I read it on Daily Mail. Oh, really? Yeah, or page six, one of those websites. Anyway. Um, anyway. Okay, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you, you only proved my point, Michelle. I don't think she's going to get many votes. You know, women like Michelle watch the show. Well, won't her followers vote for yeah. her? Does she still have followers? I'm a follow. I follow her on uh, on her social media YouTube channel because I love to watch her put on makeup. But uh, uh-huh. but uh, I'm not going to vote for her. I mean, she's got enough <laughs> good stuff in her life. I'm, I'm I'm an angry guy. I'm jealous of everyone. I don't want her doing that well. I mean, you know, she can do well. She can live her life. But I don't need her winning day. I don't need her getting the mirror ball. I sit I mean. there and think, you know, all these guys who were there dancing they they worked really hard to get on TV and. And have this life, and now they've got to help this girl of privilege uh, repair her reputation. Well, all the judges were read a riot act because they kept saying, um, "You know, you know, uh, Olivia, you're turning over a new page in your life." And uh, I'm like, "How old is she? She's 21. You don't get to turn over a new page. Maybe when you're 40 and you're getting beaten up by life a little. 21, she's already turning over a new page." I'm so proud of you. This is the start of a brand new chapter in your life. I'm so oh, proud. Oh, yeah, brand new chapter. That's chapter. What yeah. <laughs> you don't get a new chapter. That is, you're still on your, I'm pretty sure you're still on your original chapter. This is the first chapter. Yeah. <laughs> Olivia, you're getting a whole new chapter. How old are you? 20? And you get a new chapter in life? Okay. Wow. You mean you fucked up so bad that you get a new chapter at 20? Yikes. But anyway, all the judges were pretty much on the same page with that. They they were like, yeah, you you, you know, this is it. You, you just did a beautiful dance, and now everything's getting better for everything you. Everything you did, yeah. Yeah, everything that happened is gone now. Olivia, Olivia, well done. Okay, I'm so proud of you. This is the start of a brand new chapter in your life. I'm so proud of the way you came out with such confidence. You were so sure mm. of yourself. So, Olivia, you are starting a new chapter in front of millions of people. This is a whole new experience for you. What is it feeling like? Um, I'm honestly just really grateful to have this experience. Mm. Nice. It's better than rowing. Yeah, Olivia has 1.83 million, 1.83 million subscribers on YouTube. So. Oh, 
okay. She's got a pretty good She'll thing going. Fine. Yeah. I'm still a fan. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not voting for her. <laughs> you know, she wants to put on outfits and um, put on makeup. I'm there. But How I do we know that the juxtaposition? She's there with an Olympic gold medalist. Do you think Casey Anthony could get a whole new chapter on Dancing with the Stars? I don't think so, but you know, no, you know, they hey. haven't gone after her. Casey, <laughs> you're getting a whole new chapter. <laughs> I don't know like, where they. You know what? We can't even fix that book. <laughs> like, where did they draw the line on getting a new chapter? Like the lady from Lion King, who everyone was saying like killed her husband or killed somebody, and like. But she, they oh, were like, the she got lion, a new chapter. The tiger something. The tiger movie. Was. Lion yeah. and tiger movie that everyone was so into on Netflix that we've already forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. That, she got a new chapter. Everybody was accusing her of all kinds of heinous shit, but, she, you know. Right. They Mr. were saying we don't know what happened to her first husband or something. Hmm. Some people think she fed him to a lion. Like, hey, you're starting a whole new chapter. <laughs> Bill Cosby, you're starting a whole new chapter. Right here on Dancing with the Stars. You just did a beautiful little tango, and you get a whole new chapter. But but I don't, you know, I don't think Mel Gibson will get a new chapter. I, do, I don't think we'll be seeing him. Mel! I don't know. That, that angry rant about the Jews and black people, uh, you know. Oh, whoever else. None of that matters. We're, we're right here, and all we and know dancing. about you is what you do here. Yeah. This is where you get the new chapter. <laughs> OJ. <laughs> what a great cha-cha-cha, OJ. <laughs> OJ, you used your feet beautifully. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then the other thing that was ticking me off, I mean, that lady has a sad story. Her husband died of COVID, but she's been a Broadway dancer for 17 years. They go, here's, I don't even know her name, but. They go, this... Yeah, I can't remember this, it. Yeah. Doesn't matter, I mean. This, but you don't feel bad. You know, just let her dance and smile. I want her to smile. And now, professional dancer, Broadway, for 17 years. But you know what it is? They all have a line that, that she goes... And people feel bad for her because her husband died of COVID. But, and, and you know, I get it. But uh, she goes, you know... Yes, I was a dancer for 17 years, but this ballroom dancing is totally different. Totally different. Because it's completely unfair that she's on the show and competing against the Cobra Kai guy who can't lift his foot. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's never danced in his life. But there's some other ringers in there. Sporty Spice yeah. has danced. She just doesn't... No. She said the same thing. She said, I only danced with these girls. This is different. Yeah. That she used the same thing. She goes, if Sporty Spice is essentially a dancer. And then, you know, I don't think she's a singer. She's a dancer. You know, you never heard her pull a solo, or maybe she did. I don't know. But she used to she dance around with the Spice Girls. Right. She'd dance around with the Spice Girls. But she, she same thing. You know, even though I danced with the Spice Girls, that's totally different than what we're doing here. And I'm like, well. And then that... <laughs> Then that girl who uh, came out of the closet, she's for the first time dancing with another woman. Did you see her, Jojo? Jojo uh, Siwa, I think. Siwa. She 
it's a very big groundbreaking moment on Dancing with the Stars because she's lesbian and she's dancing with a woman. And and uh, I felt that was ridiculous. And the reason I feel it is that you can go to any we- wedding and see girls dancing with each other. Girls dance no, like with each it. other all the time. <laughs> yeah, but they're not out of the closet. And, and wait, so JoJo, she goes... Mind you, she was on some TV show. I don't even know who she is, but she was on some TV show dance that was called. Moms. It's called Dance Mom. It, it has the yeah. word dance in it. Yeah. And and they go, well, gee, weren't you on Dance Moms? How can you, you know, like, it sounds like you're a professional dancer. She goes, no, it's like teaching a football player to play baseball. It, it's very different kind of dancing. <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, either you accept it or you don't. Either you accept that, that they're totally bullshitting you, or, or you don't. I have to, I just have to go with it because I'm a fan of Dancing with the Stars. But there's a lot of, the there's a lot going on. the thing is, Howard, that a lot of, a couple of times when they had um, openly gay male cast members, we were the first to say, are they dancing with a guy? And they that's, would not allow that to happen. No, that's too much for America. Can't handle that. <laughs> Two chicks. We're up for it. That's how it always goes. Lesbians do the breakthrough stuff. Lesbians first <laughs> through <Yeah>. the door. <laughs> and you know, I'm hoping that their, their dance was a little bit standoffish. I'm hoping by the end of the season, those two are practically, you know, rubbing vaginas uh, during their dance. <laughs> I need to see some heat between those two. Yeah, let them do a tango. Yeah. But JoJo was a better dancer than the pro dancer that she was dancing with. The pro dancer fell yeah. down during the dance and JoJo picked her up and said, get the fuck off the floor. <laughs> Don't you ruin my chances of yeah. uh, winning this mirror ball trophy. I want the mirror ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here for my health, sister. But uh, So everybody on there has an agenda. Even like they, they had this guy on who was the first black bachelor. This guy, Matt, whatever his name is. Matt, Matt. I don't know what his last name is. <laughs> Matt James, I think it is. But He's got two first names? Matt James? Yep, Matt James. Anyway, he uh, was dancing around. And even they kind of whitewashed his whole controversy because he was with a chick on The Bachelor. She's totally hot. And if you remember, his woman went to an antebellum party and uh, which is like a, a slave uh, master party uh, evidently and uh his chick went there and so he had to break up with her for a couple of days to prove that like he was really angry and then he went back with her because she's way out of his league i mean she's super hot this girl so he was acting very offended by the antebellum party and then all of a sudden they got back together again uh, but was so- she there watching him dance I don't know if he can bring her with him. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. That's what, because when they flashed to, well, whoever was supposed to be there watching him, first of all, they were all in masks. So anybody could have been there. But I was like, I don't think she's among the group. Yeah. Fascinating show, though. I, a lot going on there. Everybody with their own agenda. Yeah. I like it. I loved it. So I'm in there. Yeah, you know the only guy? people you didn't care about was there was a wrestler, and then there was another guy I fast-forwarded through, <laughs> and a basketball I like that. player. No, I watched the wrestler. I'll tell you why I liked him. He Why? I like those wrestling guys. He got, he got on there, and he first started talking like his wrestling character, and he's like, hey, I'm going to win. I'm going to win the, <laughs> the, 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 the golden mirror. I'm going to win the mirror ball. You go and see. 
And then all of a sudden he switched to being normal. He was like, hey, uh, you know, that's my character in the WWE. Hi, everybody. Uh, you know, and then he goes, hey, and we're going to win. And it's like those guys now, they don't even pretend to be their characters anymore. Right. They, now they're, they're actors. Now they're actors. And they see it gets him. So look at The Rock. He's got a huge career. I don't know. Can that guy act? I've never seen one of his movies. I mean, he's likable, but I don't know that that's acting. Yeah. Mike the Miz Mizanin. I don't know. He didn't look that tough, that guy. I mean, I was surprised he was a wrestler. No, but he had a lot of titles. And then I say to myself, Robin, they're made up, those storylines. He's not winning anything. Mike the Miz Mizanin. But um, I don't know the wrestlers, but. I think he's hoping, I think his agenda is he's hoping he'd get something going like The Rock. I mean, Jesus, right. all these he wants guys. To be, I mean, I can think they've had a couple of other wrestlers yeah. on that thing. But, you know, nice John looking guy. has a, a mm-hmm. good uh, movie career now. The Rock, yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, wrestling has become a thing, like a, a jumping, uh, jumping, stepping stone to stepping stone, acting. Yeah. yeah. I think that I mean, Bautista guy was a wrestler. I'm remembering when my, I was a kid and, you know, you didn't see Haystacks Hal, Calhoun getting a fucking acting contract. No, he was no leading man. <laughs> no, you didn't see the sheet, the Iron Sheik getting in any shows. <laughs> Those guys, they couldn't dream of an acting career. But now it's, uh, you know, it's a regular thing. But, uh, yeah, the Mike the Miz Mizanin. And, uh, yeah, everybody had an agenda. You know, and we'll see what happens. Well, I don't know what the basketball player was doing there. He's won a championship. I was like, does he really need to be yeah, dancing but, with the stars? Well, you know, it's kind of sad when you're a champion basketball player and nobody knows who the fuck you are. So he's like, <laughs> hey, let me let me see if some of these people could get to know my name. Oh, dear. Before I go back into obscurity. No, everybody's got an agenda on that show and something to prove. It's great. I mean... How humiliating to be sit there and judge by those four people. Who are they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Who are they? For goodness <laughs> Yeah, who are they? <laughs> because like so, I said, there's a girl there who won a gold medal. Yeah. And she's, and she's being like, judged by Carrie Ann and Abba. Yeah. And who are you again? <laughs> I won a gold medal. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Love my Trojans. How's that for a seg? <laughs> love my Trojans. Gotta love them. Feel your, what's their slogan? Feel your best, get yours on. Trojan condoms. Love that. I can do their huh? commercial. I mean, their professional TV. Feel your best, get yours on. Trojan condoms. Let's uh, announcer ish now. Come on. I think you have. What are they going for? Are they going for sexy? Are they going for serious? Trojan. You want sexy? Yeah. Hi, Trojan. (laughs) Feel your best. Get yours on. Trojan condom. I'm so jealous of those guys who get voiceover work. Like um, Will Arnett gets a ton of voiceover work. Does he? Yeah. He does it right out of his house. He can, you know, he can literally, he didn't even have to go outside. He's just like, yeah, they hire me. He gets a shitload of commercial work. Um, it's a lot of actors who make big bucks 
doing and you don't even realize it's them. That's what I'm saying, because I didn't know Will Arnett was doing it. He's not like the yeah. guy, Matthew McConaughey, who wants you to know it's him. No. He, he, he can morph into different things. Yeah, he's smart. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want you to know it's him. So, no one ever tapped me for those big bucks. That uh, announcer, you know, like, we don't get a lot of calls over at my agent's office for me to step in and be the voice of something. I mean, do they think you're too recognizable as Howard Stern that you wouldn't be <laughs> no. disguised? I think they think I just suck. No, I think I'm too controversial. <laughs> That's it. I can't represent products on TV. Like, like I can't represent Pepsi or for some reason I'm a slob. So, you know. Well, look, this, see, there's another thing that's going on here because I see Snoop Dogg endorsing everything. Oh, he's the man. He's not controversial. Um, no, he went on Dancing with the Stars and got a new chapter. <laughs> he turned a turned new chapter. Page. Turned a page. Yeah. <laughs> no one says no to Snoop Dogg. Stop it. You know that. Hey, by the way, so Trojan, that's um, thank you for uh, thank you for being on our show, Trojan. I'm a big fan. Love it. Until I explained to you yesterday why I like condoms. It's my thing. I should and probably so take Trojan's a break. Trojan's your brand. I remember when you would mm -hmm. send out for boxes at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make sure I have a supply. I can't run out. Yeah. Yeah. I think I once ordered a whole carton of them. <laughs> I remember uh, Amazon tried to deliver them to my house. They needed two guys to get the condoms <laughs> in. I was so busy with the ladies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have to use an extra big one. Hey, so uh, let me take a break here, and then uh, i got a bunch of stuff to get to. And, and as we've uh, been promoting, Coldplay is going to do a performance for us. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Just let's, before uh, we go away, I have a question for you. Just one question. Yeah, but if you ask me a question, we'll never go away. Cause this I'll... is a quick question because it's been bothering me, and yeah. I want to know, who is the yeah. governor of New York? Oh, that woman, um, what's her name? Um, yeah, Andrew's gone and Andrew Cuomo's gone. He got caught up in a scandal and he's going on Dancing with the Stars. Dancing season, with by the, the Stars? <laughs> yeah, he's going to turn a new chapter. Um, I don't know her name. See, that's Is it Olivia what I Jade? That I, I bet, bet you people yeah. don't know her name yet. Yes, we have a different governor. Her name is Kathy Hochul. Oh, Governor Olivia Jade. <laughs> with businesses reopening millions of jobs will need to be filled that whole governor thing is so fuck you see this is what happens when you ask me a question that oh, governor thing oh I didn't thing, mean to bring up a whole yeah. thing now when I say we're going to a break you can't ask a question because <laughs> that might send you off on a tangent yeah. I was watching TV and they were interviewing the governor of Alabama this fucking guy, they were saying to him, you've got like the highest death rate. More people are dying in your state now from COVID than, be than are being born. They're actually losing population due to COVID. And uh, they go, are you going to recommend that people wear their masks and get the vaccine? And he wouldn't answer the question. He's the governor of Mississippi. That's what it is. Governor of Mississippi. What's that cat's name? He's a fucking maniac. I, I couldn't believe him. 
I should play that tape. You want to? You want to? You want to throw yourself out a window, like Mike Perlman? I'm telling you, listen to the governor of Mississippi being interviewed by Jake Tapper on CNN. It'll absolutely. You're like, how did that guy get to be governor? His name's uh, Tate Reeves. Listen, ah, fuck it. I'm not going to play it. Should I play it? You see, you. I'm sorry. I just thought we'd announce the governor's name of New York because, you know, we should uh, know her. <laughs> listen to this guy. He's the governor. The governor. Like, enough. There's so many wackos in Mississippi. They actually voted this guy into office. If Mississippi were its own country, you would be second in the world only to Peru in terms of deaths per capita. That's a horrible, horrible, heartbreaking statistic. So with all due respect, Governor, your way is failing. Are you going to try to change anything to change this horrible statistic from what you're doing already? <laughs> yeah, well, obviously the, in Mississippi, our legislature is a part-time legislature. Sometimes I wonder if in, a, in America, if our Congress was part-time, we wouldn't be in a better position. But let's talk a little bit about better position uh, than Mississippi what? and where Your we state are. State is second, wor- <clears throat> second worst in the world. I mean, I, I, how can Let, you say that? Let's talk about where we are and why. Well, Jake, let's talk about where we are and why we are there. Uh, in large part, just like the summer of 2020, it was the Sun Belt states that saw the uh, initial surge from the Delta variant. It started the the first state that I saw seeing upticks was Missouri, and then it was Arkansas, and then it was Louisiana. And now it's Mississippi. Uh, our surge went from less than 100 cases per day in Mississippi to 3,600, much like what happened in the country of Israel, much what, like what happened in the country of Great Britain and in England. Uh, we saw a very quick spike, and now we're seeing a very, cl- a very, very uh, quick decline in the total number of cases. We piked, spiked at about 3,600. We're now half of that uh, in, in our state. As you know... Right. Unfortunately, fatalities is a lagging indicator when it comes to the virus. I mean, the guy would not answer the question, why won't you have a va- why won't you recommend the vaccine or a mask mandate? What are you doing? We saw it coming um, and we just stood there and took the wave is what he says. We was like a moth drawn to a flame. <laughs> I say. You know it's so funny. I was thinking to myself. Mississippi, there's no demand for a recall vote on the governor. California, any stupid reason they have a recall vote costs the taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, everybody, you know, they, it's ridiculous. Mississippi, this guy's like, well, I say, you know, we, we just like Israel. You know, it, dude, what are you we doing? Saw it coming. We knew it was going to happen. And then it happened. Look, <laughs> in conclusion, I don't give two shits. <laughs> I got a lot of crazy people down here, and I got to make sure they're happy with their government. Anyway. Now it's going away. We didn't do a thing. I think the uh, whole recall in, go- in California was their governor went to a dinner. Yeah. And I guess without, people uh, were. Social distancing. Yeah. Well, they were upset. After he mandated everybody else stay home and wear masks. Right. Well, I do. Uh, I'm offended by the hypocrisy, too, but he did do the right thing. 
Yeah, by the way, I'll get to a couple of your phone calls. I'll try to squeeze in before Coldplay, the Debbie and Jeff uh, meeting that I've been telling you about. I, I don't know if I'll have time for OJ, but we, you know, we always have other shows. I mean, all this stuff we'll get to. But, yeah, I forget. I'm like placing um, Jeff's, and that's Debbie the cum lady with Jeff the vomit guy. Yeah, there's a whole thing going on with those two. They're the new power couple on the show. Very disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Real, you don't even know how disturbing. You'll, you'll see. <laughs> But uh, and yeah, the other story I'm following pretty closely. I'm monitoring, monitoring because I'm a sleuth. I'm. I was laughing. I was. It's nothing funny about it. The girl who's missing. Uh, you know they they went camping, or whatever it is they go and the boyfriend. You know they're now accusing the boyfriend of having killed her. Well, I can't think of her name. Um. Um. Oh God, I know it's Petito, isn't it? The last Gabby name? Petito. Yeah. Gabby Petito. Petito. Yeah. Sad story, cute girl. Joy Reid on MSNBC was saying, I think, that uh, it's another this case of... Uh, cute white girl syndrome. It's now got a yeah. name. She's not wrong. I mean, I'm very interested because she's so cute, this girl. More than cute, she's kind of hot. And I know Can as a guy, I go... help what they want to follow? I mean, if no. they're interested in something, is that wrong? You be interested in what you're interested in. You have a pulpit. If you want to spotlight something and highlight it, go ahead. Well, you know why so many guys are fascinated with this story? Because you watch it and you go, shit. She was my girlfriend. I wouldn't be beating her up and killing her. I'd be fucking way into her. I don't know. Uh, You guys Uh, say a lot of stuff when you're falling in love. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because they actually, there's a lot of video of them from the road. And they look like they're having a good time. Yeah. Usually when you put on the video, you don't record the bad times. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But they, they don't hit the button when they're fighting. No. Uh, wait a second. I think I'm going to strangle you. Let me get the uh, <laughs> let me get the camera. Hold on a minute. But um, they found Gabby Petito's body in Wyoming yesterday, which really sucks. And I feel bad for her family. And, you know, it, the thing that's driving me crazy. And, I, I you know, the, 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 at one point, this boyfriend is hiding in his parents' house. Brian um, Laundry, his right. name I remembered because of Laundry. Yeah, Brian Laundry, and he's in his parents' house, which blew my mind. Like I said yesterday, because I mean the parents are brave people. I don't know if my son was just accused of uh, murdering his girlfriend, I'd be like, you know, now he hasn't been accused yet, but he's a well. Wait a minute, eventually. Howard. It's worse than that because yeah. she was living in the home with him, his parents, before the trip started. Right. They both got in that van and left his parents home. And then he came home by himself. Yeah. No. I mean, I'd be like, wait a second. What are you doing home by yourself? Where, yeah, where's, where's your fiance? Gabby? Yeah, where's Gabby Petito? Uh, I'm not talking about it. I'm going to my room. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> so okay. I guess the police... Knocked on the door and said, hey, we want to speak to, uh, what's his name again? Brian Laundry. Brian. We want to speak to Brian about maybe possibly uh, uh, Gabby Petito. And the parents were like, hey, you know, uh, look, um, he's turning a new chapter in the Florida Everglades. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> you know they, they, they didn't let the cops in. But the part that's driving me crazy, how did the cops lose track of this kid? Now, don't call, like if I was the head of the police department, wouldn't I be going, hey, wait a second, 
We got a pretty good suspicion. We need to talk to this kid. He's the last one who was with Gabby. We can't he find Gabby. He is not cooperating. That's a good right. indication that, now the, you know, he had something to do with her not being here. Wouldn't you at least put one cop or two, maybe? You know, like you see in the movies, they drink coffee and they sit outside the house. Right, and that's they called go, a stakeout. You just a sit in the car there. There you go. Robin used to be an officer. Uh, a stakeout. <laughs> you know. And uh, I would stake out the house and say, hey, when I see this kid live, leave, maybe I'll just, you know, question him. Or follow or keep him. Keep an eye. Just to make follow. sure. Yeah, if, if you're accused of murder or suspicious in a murder case, the likelihood of your running is very high. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just an arm, you know, I, I sit in my armchair and I quarterback everything, but <laughs> it sort of felt like Sheriff Moe and Deputies Larry and Curly were in charge because... Or Barney would, and Andy. He said Barney, Barney and Andy. <laughs> yeah. And now we've lost the guy. Yeah, they can't find this guy. I'm like, wow, he's more confusing than the Taliban. I mean, Osama bin Laden was a little easier to find. I mean, how do you hide that well? And plus, you knew, like, maybe we ought to keep an eye on the guy, but... Again, I'm not a police officer. I don't know how that all works. I don't know what, what, you know, but. But even the fact that the parents knew where to go get the car he drove off in. They didn't know yeah. where he was, but they knew <laughs> where to go get the car and then drive it back home. I'm even fascinated that these two who apparently don't work, Brian and uh, Gabby, they, they just got in a van of some sort. And took, I didn't. Re- I thought they had gone for like a camping trip for a weekend. They were gone no. for like two months in a van. It's called van lifers. What These is it are called? People van lifers. Van lifers. Pe- yeah, they get in a van and they <laughs> live in it. That's horrible. And they keep driving from place to place and parking on in woods or in the side of the road. Yeah. And they blog or vlog, whatever you want to call it. And people, I guess, follow them and they hmm. make money, I guess, charting their course, telling you where they are, what they're experiencing. Wow. How do you and, get them on that? uh, that's how you get to stay out there and buy gas and food and you just live in your van. Let me state the obvious. When you get old, you have no energy to work anymore. That's why people retire. Now's the time to sort of get a career because that whole van thing, while you've got the energy, you better start getting your 10,000 hours in. That's just my <laughs> advice. If I can, if I can make sense for two minutes out of this world. But, uh, anyway, so, you know, we had a kid who used to work for us years ago. I mean, many years ago. I, I forget his name, but it's been he, a while. He, he told me he was leaving and, um, he said, yeah, I'm going to go in my van. His name was Sussy. He, he, he was going to go in a van and, um, travel around and, like work on farms or something. I don't know what his I think it was, was even worse with him. I think he was on yeah. a bike. Was he on a bike? He had he didn't even have a van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought he was an innovator. He was just on a bike. Yeah, he was going to bike around the world. Anybody yeah. seen him? <laughs> Anybody know where he is? Yeah. As long as we're out there looking for uh, this kid Brian Laundry, let's let's look for Sussy. But you know, I watch uh, Bachelor in Paradise, and this guy comes in, good-looking dude. It's a couple of years ago. And he announces to everyone, he, he, the hottest girl there, he, he, you know, she's interested in him. And she goes like, what do you do? And he goes like, you know, I got to be honest with you. My whole life now is in a van. I, I, I travel around in a van 
now that I'm thinking about it, and he goes, yeah, I sleep in my van. And she goes, well, how do you bathe? He goes, well, honestly, sometimes I don't bathe for a week or two, or I got to find a place where, you know, I rely on the kindness of others to wash or maybe go down to a river. Uh, and I travel around my in my van, and I'm watching, and I go, this chick's way too hot for that bullshit. I don't care how, how good looking this guy is. She ain't falling for this. Meanwhile, next thing you know, she goes, listen, I got to have you. And these two are still, I think, in a van traveling. Yeah, she went to the van and she wasn't turned off. Yeah. We were shocked. <laughs> in order to get girls, I had to become the number one radio personality in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I didn't know I'd just travel around in a van. I guess if you look good, you could get that kind of girl. Yeah, it says here, Gabby quit her job to travel cross-country and try to start a travel blog. Wow, what a plan. Yeah. And uh, I guess her boyfriend is now a person of interest. Yikes. Van lifer. I'm thinking you and I should have been van lifers. Maybe uh, we would have been successful at it. Get a little blog going. Um, and and hang know. out in a van. How big yeah. would that van have to be, Howard? <laughs> You'd love me after a couple of weeks of not showering. You smell my balls. Robin, smell my balls. Let's get this on video. <laughs> I can smell them from here. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to pull my pants down so you can really get a whiff. <laughs> Don't you dare. I'll faint. Yeah. Hey, Diane. Diane in Pennsylvania. What's up? Oh, my goodness. Long, long, long time listener, first time caller. I love you guys. Thank you. Um, I'm, an, I'm an attorney. I work, I'm in Philadelphia, um, and I, I'm an attorney for the police union. And um, I will tell you that uh, the, the morale among the police right now is the lowest I've ever seen. You can't have on one side people defund the police, do this, do that, and then in the same breath, why, why aren't they doing more? I, I mean, which one is it? I, I, do I think? I'll tell you which one uh, I am. I'm all about police. I want more police. Right. Even the people love... who are saying defund the police, they'd be the first to call the police if something yeah. was going on. You don't have the police. Right. Me, You're fucked. Me, and let me say this, okay? As, as an attorney, we, I have something in common with the police. No one wants, wants to deal with us until they, they're in trouble. Okay, I, I got right. it. But it, most of the police, I, and I deal with police when they're hurt. I specialize in uh, on-duty police injuries. In any kind of career you have, in, in human beings, you're going to have bad eggs. You're going to have good eggs, okay? They're, they're, the majority of the police that I meet, because I deal with them when they're vulnerable, are not bad people. Um, yes, there are horrible people, like the person in, in, uh, with George Floyd. That was uncalled for. That is that absolutely uh, is a disgrace. But you, you can't mo- – the majority of people are not doing that. Did you, ever I, hear I the, uh, did you ever hear the Chris I, Rock routine on that? He goes uh, – yeah, yeah. How knocking you know. your ass beat by the police? <laughs> yeah, he goes. He goes. Uh, you know, there's a lot of professions, and every time something happens with the police, they go. You know, there's a lot of really good police, but there are always a few bad eggs in the, uh, you know, in a batch. And uh, Chris yeah, goes. You know, they, some professions you can't afford. You can't afford a bad egg. Yeah. You can't afford <laughs> because, like, 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 you get on an airplane and you find out you got a bad egg for a pilot. You know, they, you never they just, hear that. We got a couple right. of bad, bad <laughs> eggs in the pilot crew. It's a really funny bit. It's <laughs> well, really good. Diane, I'm with you on that. I got your whole point. I'm, I'm, um, you yeah. know, I'm Mr. Police anyway. So you know, you don't have to. Love, love what you guys do, and I love what your wife does with all the, uh, with the animals. Keep doing what you guys do, and I hope you stay on forever because I grew up with you. Cool. I'm 45 now. I, I literally grew up with you from when I was 15. Um, and again, uh, Robin, you make the show and I'm just thrilled to, to, 
to uh, hear you guys. I hope you guys you. get all the money you need and stay on forever. <laughs> mm, I like that part. All yes, right. uh, we need more money. You negotiate for us. Yeah, please. <laughs> I'll be right in there. I, I do it every day for the police. I'll be right in. I'll yeah. negotiate your contract next I time. I see what Deal. the police are getting. Do me a favor. Stay away from my negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Diane. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Howard. Yeah. I'll hire her, and she'll have me down to what a cop's making. I'll be in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, she'll be reducing your salary. <laughs> By the way... Uh, Yesterday on the show, I proved that we have many bad eggs. We have a whole carton of bad eggs on our show. <laughs> We're taking bad eggs out of society. Yeah, We're right. doing our part. And, and hiring them. <laughs> uh, maybe I got time for, I don't even have time to give you Debbie the Come Lady and Jeff the Bombit guy, so maybe I'll take one more call and then I'll get right over to Coldplay, who are going to be doing a couple of tunes for us. Say hi to the whole band. We've never had the whole band on before. Only had Chris on. and Yeah. We'll get to see what's happening there with that dynamic. Uh, hey, Wyatt. What's up? Yeah. Uh, am I on? Yeah. Okay. Um, Howard, what's up? Uh, hey, now, and all that bullshit. But, um, all right. Uh, I hear you guys talking about the little Gabby lady all the time. I mean, just because everything's happened already, but, um, I had to say I'm native American and, um, my sisters and, uh, all these women get sick every fucking day, every fucking day. And there's no coverage about that shit. But I mean, as soon as she gets lost, I mean, fucking news is going crazy, 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 crazy. Yeah. But I mean, well. it's just the way it is. I mean. Oh, she's hot. I guess. But there's a lot of hot Native American yeah, chicks. we got to well, get the word again, out there. You've got to get the word out. It's been out, Robin. I mean, it's been out, but I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. But no, but, um, you know, if you're not getting know, coverage know your, at your local station, make a big deal about it. No, no, no coverage whatsoever. I mean, we get we get fucked with just for trying to protect water. And um, I hear you. I mean, come on, all these. All these people are fucking going all crazy in the county. Hey, Why? that be if You've got a list of hot Native American chicks you want me to track down. I can. I can I'll publicize them. <laughs> we'll we'll let you talk about it all day. Yeah, we love it. Oh, uh, uh, we're thanks. we're a public um, service. Now you're right. It's um, true. There's so many women who go missing every day, and they're not covered. But uh, like Robin says, you know, there are even white um, women who go missing and don't get covered. Are they hot? Oh, yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I that. Don't I don't know. I haven't seen them. Like possible. That, but <laughs> exactly. I mean, I guess <laughs> I always like covered. the same things. Like maybe maybe we're not the right color or some shit, but I don't know. Right. That but you got to go do because... something about it. Don't just sit there complaining. Start going to, you know, talk to people. Talk to everybody. <laughs> hey, Wyatt. Start putting like up posters. Do yeah, everything up, up, you up. can. Wyatt. <laughs> yeah. I know, but, I know but, about... I know about all of your problems. I watched this show Yellowstone, and uh, on that show, the Native Americans are having a hard time. So that's where I get. I'm, I'm very educated on this topic. But there was no outcry, Howard, on that show when the white no. girl was taken to the place where they do abortions on Indians and then uh, sterilized them. She mm. went there and oh, got sterilized too. I'm with Wyatt on this. I. Well, I'm with everybody, but you've got to start saying something. Don't ignore us. 
It's a lot of work, Robin. This guy's got to make oh. a living. I mean, you, you want him to go out and publicize all the missing women? I mean, what you, come on. Well, what do you yeah. do for? No, you're probably going to get Why? A lot what do you do? What do you do for a living? What do you do, man? What do I do? I'm, I'm a runner, a man. I, I'm running. That's all I do is run. And I'm just trying to like get people out there to come out there with me. It, it, hmm, it's, cool. it's crazy though right now. I, I'm just trying. This is prayers for me, though. This sounds um, better than Van. Everything that I do, it's just prayers. It's just. I don't know. It just seems kind of crazy. I know you guys are probably going to get a lot of shit from this, too. But, I mean, I figured I might, might as well say something because, uh, um, I mean, it just pissed me off because, I mean, all fucking day, it's all I see is just, oh, yeah, while well, we're looking for this guy, or we're looking. I mean, come on now. I mean, yeah, maybe Robin's right. I should be. But, I mean, she's got to look into it, too. We fucking did this, like, a bunch of times. So many years, I'm not saying that this is... Yeah, it's a person. Uh, uh, calm down for that. a second. Let me ask you something. You're saying you for a living you go running every day? That's pretty cool. How do you get to do that? I go every morning, Howard. Every morning. How many Believe miles? Believe it or not, just just about eight altogether. Really? Who do you? Who, how do you get paid for? Yeah, that? no. I'm looking for that kind oh, of work. Buddy, hey, hey, buddy, it's just it's living, it's living, just cool. You gotta do some. You gotta do shit that that's fun. So you gotta go to work, and it's gotta be fun. It can't be work. It's gotta be fun. No, I'm, I'm telling you, you I'm down it, for like this. Uh, I'm trying to learn from you. You're trying so to you go figure out, out how to get into it. Yeah, I'm trying to get into. There I'm trying go. to get into van life and running. Who pays you to run? There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, sorry about that. I just, I kind of yeah. got like kind of heated after you. No, after good. I heard something, so I, I figured. I think. I think I might as well say something, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm surprised you guys even took my call. I mean, I've been trying for like so many years, and yeah. Hey, what's up, Fred? What's going on? Yeah, Fred. Hey, now. Anyway. You know what Fred does for go. a living? He runs, too, I think. All right. Oh, yeah. Why, thank you. His pup, 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 about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, man. Just want to say what's oh. up. Hello? What's up, man? Yeah, all that, but. <laughs> Are you living yeah, on the reservation? Yeah, I'm out here right now. It's about fucking five thirty in the morning right now. Nice. Trying I'm outside. I listen to you guys every fucking morning at four on the West Coast. I always get up, pop up at four, and turn you guys back on. Wow. I listen right, to you guys man. for fucking years. Stay rocks. All right, later, Wyatt. I gotta go. I got Coldplay coming on. All right, see you later, man. Like, like these guys. All right, later. Bye. There you go. Interesting guy. I was trying to get a vibe on how you can run for a living. I, I wasn't getting clear on how you live, uh, make a living running. I don't think he wanted to uh, share with us. Uh, yeah. He's got a good thing going, and he's like, fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> blowing it for you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not giving you my secret. Yeah, I'm over here on the reservation. I run every day, about eight miles. Oh, yeah? What, do you, what else do you do? That's it. Yeah, you and I are playing it all wrong. We got to get into this van life and running. Yeah, how did we make such no. wrong decisions? Yeah, you're supposed to be the sensible one on the show. And <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen I, to me. Yeah, I'm done with you. I'm not listening to you anymore. <laughs> I'm calling the shots from now on. So miss sensible over there. All I know is this guy's getting up every morning and running, and he's making a living. I said, Howard, we need jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a bummer. <laughs> I didn't even know running was an option. But... I didn't either. Yeah. Who knew van life was a job? I don't know any of this stuff. 
We got to find out more about van life. Like that sounds like something that could be pretty interesting, maybe for a film treatment. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's gold in them hills. <laughs> <laughs> One of the women I was reading, she said, yeah, yeah I was. I guess I was kind of naive and young when I first started out because I figured everybody in van life was the same, whether they were men or women. And then I started getting into trouble with some of these people. <laughs> and so I now am more cautious. I was like, well, yeah, like that sounds like a life that would attract a lot of creeps. So what do you do? Like you park your van. Like I know with like the well, trailer people, they have like a hookup where they can get water and toilets and stuff. With the van, you just shit in a can, I guess, and throw it out in the woods. You don't go to a trailer park. No, that's yeah. too civilized. You go into the middle of the woods and you just park yeah. where there's nothing. Dig that, huh? What a, how long would I last doing that? Hmm. <laughs> what do you think, about a week? <laughs> uh, probably a day. I, I don't even, even think I could do that. A week. I, I know I can't sleep in a van. No, how can you? You can't even stretch out in a van. So let, let's, let me understand this. You and I would just drive around in a van, and then we'd park it somewhere. Maybe, you know, clean up a little. Then like, Maybe, yeah, if we could find, like, a public place with showers. I don't even know that hmm. that exists. <laughs> Pretty sure most of our staff, after we retire, will be in, living in a van somewhere. <laughs> we be doing van life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, we got to take a break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to talk to the whole band, Coldplay. They're going to do a couple of tunes, one tune from their new album. Um, and uh, I've never met the whole band before, just Chris Martin, as uh, you may know. But yeah, it should be a lot of fun, and they're going to be playing a big show for just the serious subscribers at the Apollo Theater in Harlem. Very cool. It's always yeah. cool to see bands there. Yeah. Bands like it. Intergalactic, intergalactic. Um, I bet you didn't even know this, Robin, that Coldplay, the band Coldplay started out as, their original name was Starfish. Did you know that? I did not. Yep. I'm trying to now decide, do I like Starfish better or Coldplay? I always thought Starfish meant like somebody's anus, like their their anus. I've hole. heard that term used for that before. Yeah, I'll ask the boys. I'll ask the boys. Is that what they were doing? Was this kind of a goof? <laughs> yeah, you don't want your band to be a goof. You know what I mean? Where are those boys? Let me go take a look at them. Ah. Look at that. Ah, cold. Hello, look guys. at you guys. Hi, Howard. Hello. Hi, Robin. How you doing? Great hey to there. see you. You know, the name Coldplay is so much better than Starfish. If I may vote. <laughs> That's why we I think. It. <laughs> Don't you guys agree? Yeah, we need to say that, so we changed it. Wait, doesn't starfish refer? It, it's a joke, right? A starfish refers to a part of the anatomy, the anus. That's I think sp- that's offensive to starfish, but <laughs> well, you, kind of starfish. which came first? Do they? Do they? When you guys said, "Hey, maybe the band will be called Starfish," you're sitting around as a group. And that's an important thing. We're talking marketing. You know, you want a name can mean everything. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. 
having a sound problem. I'm having trouble hearing you boys. <laughs> didn't see. last long, Starfish. There we go. It last, would have lasted one, one day. One show. One show in a lifetime on Wikipedia. Ah. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize it lasted one day. All right. That, that, that makes total sense to me. First of all, let me introduce the boys here. Uh, let me tell you who's sitting here in Coldplay. Quite frankly, Chris, it's about time the other guys got their name on the air. Uh, <laughs> You've been hogging the spotlight. You <laughs> have. Uh, you got Johnny over there on the left-hand side. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Johnny. How you doing? What's happening? Johnny plays lead guitar. We got uh, Chris. Everybody knows Chris. No introduction needed there because, uh, you know, we know Chris, right, guys? We do. And uh, Will. <laughs> Will's Hello. on the drums, sitting next there to Chris. And then you How's got Guy. Hi, Guy. How you doing? Hi. Hi. Yeah, Hi. very well, thank you. Yeah. Very good to see you guys. I got to interview Chris one time. And I said to Chris, where is the rest of Coldplay? And uh, he said, I, I want, I want the spotlight. I, I crave it. Uh, <laughs> it's all my, it's all for me. Um, is it hard being in a band where Chris gets so much attention, guys? Or do you guys say, hey, this is better for us? Where, where are we at with Chris? I think it's, um, for, from my point of view, it's kind of ideal. <laughs> uh, is it? I think, Why? yeah, it really is. Well, I don't love the spotlight or, or, um, you know, I have a, a, f a physical shield. My drums sort of, uh, you know, prevent me from being seen from below the waist, which is probably a good thing. Right. Um, are you and a, it's are just, you a shy yeah. guy? Is that what it is? I, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess so. I think so. I think we all do. We're all in the roles that we uh, that we that we want to be in, and I think that's one of the reasons why things have gone so well. You know, over twenty something years. I don't think anyone covets the other one's role. Hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, you know, when I when I look at the band Coldplay and all the success, and I know Chris so well, it's like, but Chris also because he is known so you know so well, he has to he takes all of the the criticisms or the heat sometimes, and it's kind of nice not to have that pressure. Um, you know what I mean? Definitely, you know, and and it's it's um it's something that we probably don't uh, thank him enough for is for for being that thank you sort of, yeah thanks man he's the he's has incredibly broad and able shoulders um but he does take a lot of the 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 attention and you know deflects it from us so he's like an extraordinary shield and you know we are very grateful for uh to, you know for his amazing songs but also his you know he's just so capable at dealing with it all so we're very grateful because we, we would be terrible front men <laughs> Yeah, well, Chris, I've talked to you about this. I mean, the songwriting process in Coldplay, because every band dynamic is different. Um, in in your band, everybody gets a songwriting credit, right, guys? In other words, it's it's a collaborative process. Yes. And and how does it work, Chris? You come up with the initial idea, and then you bring it to the band. Is that correct? Um, but nine times out of ten, uh, an idea will get sent to me from wherever right. they come from. And then um, if I think it's worth showing uh, Johnny Guy and Will, then I'll do that. And then if they think it's worth playing on and writing on top of, they do that. And it's like a production line. And then if we're working with someone like Max Martin, then I have to audition the song for him as well. So it's, by the time a song gets released, it's been through such a rigorous audition process that the toughest person is Will and Guy to right. get songs passed. But it's also a good 
quality control. How's, um, you know, I'm pretty amazed by band dynamic because um, uh, when I was reading about you guys, you started the band. Chris, you always, you know, you knew you wanted to be a musician. And when you were in college, uh, you knew you wanted to be in a band of, of sorts. But the the whole band got started in college, right? I mean, for a band to last that long and stick together, it's almost impossible. How many bands last? You meet in college, now or years later, and you guys have managed to have a nice friendship and stay together. It, 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 mm. The odds are against you, is it not? It's a difficult thing as a band. I think what's important is when we met, we were just a group of friends, you know, for a, for a reasonable amount of time before we actually started the band. So we had quite a solid foundation. You know, a lot of bands come together where there's a, a, a singer who advertises, you know, in a, you know, a newspaper, you know, drummer required, and then somebody comes in and auditions. And so you pick people, you form bands before you even know who those people are. Mm. So I think, I think for us it's important um, because we were we were a group of friends, we we just kind of hung out. We went around, we went out partying and drinking um, f- for a while before we started playing music together. So we we had already decided that we liked each other before we started making music. Are you guys still really good friends? I mean, does the dynamic change? Because I know even in a marriage or anything else, I mean, when you meet in college and you're like, hey, it's all great and all this, and then as the years go on. But you guys remain close. I mean, you, you actually spend time together and enjoy one another still. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think we also... Sh- go on, Howard. No, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, we also um, share money and share credit. And I don't know which president it was that said that everything is possible if you share. And so I think that's part of it too. But... That financial arrangement, does that ever get you upset, Chris, if you're the guy who has to generate the original idea for the song? I mean, did you consciously? It doesn't. We we have it balanced pretty fairly. And, um, yeah, I just felt that's just my role. I I don't know where they come from, those songs. And they probably wouldn't come if it wasn't, if I didn't know, you know. It's very very unquantifiable how it all works. But the more that we keep each other on an even standing... And it's, it's, it's great to know that we each pull just the right amount of tension in our own direction. And that's what keeps the whole thing together. Right. In other words, when you come up with a song and then you have these three other guys, uh. something happens, it's magical, that makes Coldplay so unique and so, and so brilliant. Well, thanks for that. But uh, something happens that makes us sound like Coldplay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Chris, tell me if I have this right. You're sitting in college. You have this idea you want to be a musician, which is also a crazy notion because the odds of making it are about a billion to one. And you're sitting there like in your dorm room or wherever the hell it is, and you hear Johnny playing a guitar in some other room mm-hmm. or something like that. And you knew this guy, and you were like, I didn't even know this guy plays guitar. How, how does, I mean, that's crazy to me, isn't it? I mean, you knew Johnny, but he never, he never played guitar or talked to you about being a musician. Yeah, what's well, that? Like you and Robin, how do you know where your person's coming from? You just got to recognize it when they arrive. 
Yeah, but you know, when you usually get to have a friend, you kind of know if they're into music or not. You know what I mean? It's kind of wild. You knew how long? How long did you know Johnny before you even found out that he played guitar? Two months, maybe. Unbelievable. Yeah, we knew we liked music, though. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, I just would see him through a. I don't really smoke or drink, so I wasn't around him that much. <laughs> when he was smoking and drinking, <laughs> when, when guys said they were, we were all out, part, I, I, I was never really doing that. But, no, you weren't, to be fair. But I would wait for them to come back and then say, "Hey, here's a song idea," and they'd be like, "Oh, that's fucking brilliant! Let's do that one." So Johnny was like hidden behind a haze of weed smoke. And Someone else is weed. So in other words, you sit in your room and somehow through a wall or something you hear Johnny playing guitar. What was he playing that intrigued you so much? Uh, th- he would have been playing stuff by a band called the Stone Roses. Ah, okay. Who are a, 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 like a legendary band where we come from. And you're strumming this guitar and Chris, you walk into Johnny and go, oh my God, I can't believe how good you are. Basically, yeah. And then we would wow. rehearse in the bathrooms mm. all the time. And then Guy, Guy heard a song. And then he said that the next day he woke up and remembered it. So he said, I'll, I'll join you. And he played bass for a while, it's still in the bathroom, on a classical guitar. That was our lineup for a few months. Mm. We played, we played guy, for a while. Uh, we played for a while without any drums and stuff. Yeah, yeah but, but Guy, you, you were at the same school? Yes. Jesus, where is this? We, we all were. We, we all were. were. We were all in the same, same, actually same kind of dorm residence. You're kidding. Dorm you know, I went to college. Kind of Everyone I met was a loser. I didn't meet <laughs> anyone who could get me in a band. It was, I, was, I was trying. It, what are the odds of being in college and meeting fine musicians? It wasn't a musical college, right? It wasn't. It, it wasn't, no. Like, no. It, was a, it was a regular university. A, you know, it's a great school. Um, we were all very uh, you know, pleased to be there, but. It was something weird that year that we all that we were in a hall that had about 400 uh, students in, and I think maybe six or eight bands came out of that um, that one hall. There were there was always music on every corridor, and all of the song people were called Chris. There was a lot of Chris's, yeah. but eight Chris's. They all had to have different <laughs> nicknames. You had your choice of Chris's. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I'm for so pleased. We chose. There was some. There was some less than suitable candidates. Candidates, <laughs> <laughs> but they wouldn't have steered the ship as well as you have. Let me tell you it's that. Funny. Thanks, man. It's fun. This is such a long time ago. You, you were you were famous already, Howard. Was I? When was this? What year was yeah. this? 1996 and seven. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was on a roll. I was happy. Yeah, that was we were, a big year. We were, yeah. <laughs> 1996. I think I had already done the famous Butt Bongo Fiesta video, if you remember that. <laughs> well, <laughs> pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I made my I made my mark in history uh, already. But no, no. But but I am just amazed by the history of this band, in the sense that um, everybody went to the same college, and you know. Did you guys view yourself right away as professional musicians, or were you like, well, this is kind of a nutty thing. We're just jamming together. Like, I used to play guitar with friends of mine, but we were awful, and we knew it. I mean, did you sense magic in a bottle right away? Or lightning remember, in a bottle? I, I remember hearing some of the early songs that, that Chris and Johnny and Guy had worked on before I joined the band, and, and it was very clear that they were not sort of just average uh student jams i feel like it was it was quite clear that there was something going on between chris's melodies specifically and uh and johnny's guitar playing and there was something 
Chris had a, and still does have a very interesting way of playing acoustic guitars. Lots of different strange tunings, and there's very rarely a, a guitar that's in a normal tuning. And it just, I, I, I remember watching, trying to think, because I play the guitar a little bit, but just regular chords. And I remember thinking, how, how is he making those normal chords sound so different and interesting? Um, so there was, it was clear to me that there was something more that was already there before I joined. Chris, what does that mean, by the way? What does it mean you play the guitar in an unusual way? And how did you learn that? Well, how do I... I think um, quite early on, I realized that if you have limitations, you just got to try and make them unique in the way you get around them. So I, I grew up with people around me that could play guitar a lot better or play piano or, sing, or do everything a lot better. But I was like, well, if I change the tuning of the string here and or I play a slightly different note on a chord here it will sound different even because hmm. I'm never going to have the technique of um, you know it's a sort of making a, a strength out of a weakness so you always knew you were going to be a musician right I mean it was in your uh, blood you just knew it uh, yeah I hope I always was aiming towards it yeah well we have another member called Phil who's our kind of our captain and uh, he doesn't play, but he, he kind of oversees things. And he and I were friends when we were 13. And we would, um, I would go to his house and I would read about REM and U2 and the police. And he also had best friend who was super into Motown. So I would study all that stuff when I was about 14, 15. And I was like, that's what I'd love to do. But it seemed impossible. And it still seems, it still seems quite impossible. I think the one thing we've never really felt is comfortable in the, our job security so it keeps us quite m driven and hungry you know chris i don't even think i asked you but you were i th i find this fascinating you were raised in a very religious family very very yeah. catholic family yeah and when you started getting into music it was confusing to you like i, I read somewhere that you said i i wouldn't even sing sympathy for the devil or no. or like a black, black sabbath Magic song Woman. or something a black yeah. magic woman. I won't sing these things because they're anti, you know, religion or they're they're about the devil. Um, I, I mean, you had some kind of indoctrination in religion. I mean, it, you were almost uh, superstitious about singing these songs. Am I correct? Yeah, it's funny you ask. You know, I'm uh, I'm so grateful for our job. I'm also having like, the, such a hard time in my life right now, and part of that is to uh, part of dealing with that is going back to look at all that stuff and uh, I'm very grateful for the music of that time but there was also a lot of strange indoctrination, not, not, not even deliberately but yeah there was I, I couldn't sing um, Paint It Black for example by the Stones because I, I, I thought it was evil <laughs> Wow so, so what do you mean you're going what do you mean you're going through a hard and time? I realized right it was now. just about it was just about interior decoration. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you are you're right. But 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 seriously, you you say you're going through a hard time right now. Oh yeah, yeah. What what, what do you mean? Because of your religious background is oh, it no, something just, that it's, I don't need to get into it because, but um it's it's all part of growing up. But but part of it is um understanding how you got wired as a young person. Right. I think this, this applies to all of us and realizing, some, you know, anything, any method of coping with something is a strength when you develop it. But then later in your life, it might, it might not necessarily serve you anymore. So 
I'm in that kind of period of like, well, this this thing that made me survive that period is not helping me now. And uh, that's what I mean. Yeah. In other yeah. words, the difficulty you're going through now in yeah. your personal life uh-huh. is in a way, a p- part of fixing it is getting rid of these notions you learned as a kid about religion uh, because it, it, it's counter productive to helping you get healed now exactly yeah and, and i think for for people for every every human has something and uh it's just if you get to a place where you're privileged enough to have the time and the opportunity to unravel certain things it it i think is only a good thing to do do you believe in god or are you yes, just very uh, much so yeah I, but i i my well sorry we're on the uh god for me is all things and all God is everywhere and everyone, and and it's also the un, the unknowable, vast majesty behind everything, and uh, it's just the point where you get to the place where you can't think any further. That's where I think God is, but I also think God is everywhere and in Will and in you and in me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, really? Uh, no one's ever you're said a that. Beautiful, <laughs> magical, uh, incredible, miraculous creation. You didn't say no, uh, you really thank are. you for that, man. I, I might as well stop now. I've never had anyone said <laughs> yeah. they saw God in me. And you're here I, for I, a reason. You know, you have such a clear purpose. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yes, I do. Very much so. But I don't think you know, God is a, is a man in the sky with a gray beard. Fellas, uh, are you aware that Chris is going through a hard time right now? Or are you just like, hey, who cares? No, we're, we're very keenly aware. And, and that's that's also why we're here, to, you know, to, to remind... Chris of our, of our brotherhood and uh, you know but yes yes of course we, are, yeah. we spend a lot of wow. time together so we know how we're a family so we, we um, but we've all been through strange stuff over the years I mean we could tell you some very bizarre things but we please do we keep we keep going together <laughs> what what's some of the things what are some of the bizarre things you guys had to go through I mean uh, every the funny thing is if we ever wrote a band uh, autobiography and yeah. told the real truth it would be such a great film, but we would never do that. <laughs> what the hell is going on with Coldplay? I had no idea. Well, if we um, had, yeah, any group of men that stayed together this long, probably most things you can imagine happening <laughs> have happened. You know? Oh, like, man. Uh, all of it. Addiction, everything. All, the whole, really? The whole gamut. Yeah, but we, we grew up watching all those behind the music, so we feel like, well, we, we'll just keep it to ourselves. Isn't and it true? Behind the Music is like the greatest thing. They should force every band in America to watch Behind the Music and and, and, and use it as like a, a an educational tool because uh, you guys actually are a shining example of getting through a bunch of shit and staying together. And, uh, you know, it's great. It's, it's just great. Uh, you know, uh, the band's so great. There's so many things to talk about. I was just thinking about you guys, you know, musically also. And, um, you know, we could go through a couple of songs. I know you guys are going to do a couple of performances, but I was mm-hmm. curious. You're, you're, you guys are, you, right now, are you at the Apollo Theater in Harlem? Yes, sir. Yeah, we are. Right. It's amazing. And uh, why is the Apollo Theater so amazing? Can you explain it to me? I, 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 what it, I mean, I've heard people say it's legendary, it's iconic, but does the theater really matter when you play? Well, Guy got us into it. You want to answer that guy? Got us into what? Like, taught us about the Apollo. 
I'm not sure I did. <laughs> I thought they were James Brown stuff. And... Well, I know, you know, I know that it's, you know, it's been around for a long time and it's a beautiful theatre. And we've always, you know, when we started touring, you know, before we played in big arenas and stadiums, we used to play in beautiful old theatres like this, you know, especially across America. And uh, yeah. there's always such a warmth to these places and such a, a history and a heritage. And you're right, James Brown did play here. Yeah, because you, you, well, you definitely told me about James Brown at the Apollo. Yeah. And I think uh, you can't really be interested in music and not understand that the Apollo is the same as Wembley Stadium or something might be where we come from. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, everybody loves the Apollo Theater. I've heard, ten, you know, millions of musicians have come through this show and they go, well, yeah, man, we want to play the Apollo Theater. So, right. you know, it's like it's, it's, a, it's a very big deal. So, uh, and also you guys are doing an exclusive concert for Sirius XM, which is exciting, and you're going to do a couple of songs today, which uh, I'm really thrilled about. Coldplay's uh, also got a new album out, Music of the Spheres, and they're going to do a tune from there. I'm going to ask you about all of that stuff. But it's, it's just good to see you guys, especially together sitting here with this pandemic. Have you been going out of your minds, not performing and, and, and not seeing one, one another? What was it like for you guys individually? Uh, it's been quite strange obviously one half of the job that we do is is performing songs to people you know and we were lucky that we were able to get together during the pandemic at times when 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 logistics and and governments allowed us to do so to be right. in the same place and to record um so we had some time in sweden we had some time in germany and in london um and it's it's interesting i think we've been crystallizing this way of working um, f over a long period, but it's really come to it's it's sort of its perfect apogee now, which is that we spend a lot of time apart, but then when we get when we're allowed to get together, it's an incredibly intense, focused ten days. We used to take two and a half years to record a record, you know, to, and just waste a lot of time and eat a lot of biscuits and you know play a lot of cricket in the <laughs> cookies. <laughs> cookies. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so now we now we are completely we, we we know that the time that we have together is precious uh you know in terms of recording time so we it's really it's great because we're focused and we're efficient and we work super hard and it's it's really enjoyable so that that was a that was a possibility in the in the lockdown so that was great but yeah it's certainly just the the few occasions that we've played in front of some people it's just a completely different thing a great reminder of of why we're here I'm, I'm, you know, we, we were lucky enough to play a show the other night to about three three hundred people, and it was just amazing. Just to, the the difference between you know these Zoom calls are wonderful, and you know online performances are are great because you can reach a lot of people. But actually having people in the room, uh, you know, it is it's such a wonderful feeling, and it's a, it was a great reminder of of why we do what we do, and hopefully, what ho uh, sort of uh, yeah uh, a reminder of what's to come. I don't get something. You, you said you got together to record when governments allow you to record. What does that exactly mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, are, is, are governments preventing Coldplay from getting together to record? I, I, <laughs> I, I can help you with that. Yeah, the, That's yeah, why I we're could, here in New York this week, to yeah. the UN. Well, yeah, we're representing You're going to the UN. Yeah. Yeah. To the United Nations yeah. to say, hey, too many governments. I could <laughs> step in, boys. I really could. Uh, you know, no. I've been known I to help travel, bands with this. Travel restrictions and, uh, you know, we weren't, uh, as citizens of the UK, those of us who live in the UK, we weren't allowed to, to leave uh, for a long oh. time. Um, 
Uh, we oh. certainly weren't allowed in America. Yeah, we're still not right. technically allowed in America. We had <laughs> to get a form. We had to <laughs> petition the UN to uh, to allow us in to speak to you, Howard. So it's, oh, so it's, I get it's it. a, national, a national interest exemption. Some so countries in other words, would let us in at certain times, so we would go to a country where we could be. Yeah. So in other words... In order to get that, I never thought of that. You guys wanted to record a new album. You had music ready to go. Mm. And you couldn't get in the same studio together because you were separated by countries. And then some countries mm -hmm. will say, we have a travel ban. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, we managed that. to get to Sweden and Germany. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and London for a while. And yeah. uh, So we, we, were, we were very lucky that everyth everything we do right now needs a permit. <laughs> well, what you should do is sneak in through Mexico. A lot of people are doing that. <laughs> well, we fun. came up with well, this big wall. Yes. You've got to just climb that wall. You can pay people to get you through that. No, but that's, you know, I didn't realize that. So, the, you know, and, and I, I think as musicians, it's, can you imagine being a new band coming out and you got all this energy and then this pandemic hits? How, how are people functioning through this? It's it's yeah. insane. It, it, it I must mean, be it, a nightmare. Yeah, I think there's a lot of. We're very grateful for the, the time that we or the period of of time that w when we started our band because it felt like you could still you could have guitars and you could uh, you could be you know you could be a band and still uh, break through or someone or you know they gave us a lot of time our record company to to work out what it was we wanted to do and I just I don't feel that young bands now are given that time to kind of look crap and sound a bit shit for a while you know we, we right. certainly had a, a, a long period of that About 12 um, years. <laughs> so uh, yeah every every development in technology every development in everything has a duality so right now it's amazing to be a new artist because you can get your music across the world at the touch of a button but it's also way harder to stick and if you can't play live you can't build that natural snowball Mm, of, right. of your, your show and so that's where we really feel for young acts you know yeah but or you guys new, had a pretty yeah you but when you guys started out you had a pretty fast trajectory i i mean it, what, yeah. what would you say like by the time the band started but within two years or maybe three years you had an album and you'd already won a grammy right i mean it's not that long that you guys that, that it took for you guys to gel as a band no it's funny but it felt it felt long, but, but in retrospect, it wasn't. Yeah. No. It felt like, because it was so incremental and so, everything was so unsure, you know, or maybe we'll get to be signed. Maybe we'll get to go on this tour supporting this band. Maybe we'll get number one, you know. It's always been like slowly climbing this ladder. And, uh, when you guys perform live, is it like you're going to do a couple of tunes live? Are you desirous of making it sound just like the album or are you a band that says when we when we when we play live um we we want it to be a little bit different for each show um i think it's somewhere in between that howard to be honest though i think we want it to sound as good as the record sounds but then also have something unique about it wouldn't you agree yeah faithful faithful to the song and and what it stands for and what it means but also trying to it's when you got a song that we've played for 20 something years you know trying to, we try to tweak it slightly for each you know each iteration otherwise it, it sounds you don't want to get stale so we definitely we try to inject something different into it but um part of the 
difficulty of a lot of modern recording is is done using computers and amazing um, technicians and uh, engineers and especially from a drumming point of view a lot of the things that a lot of the stuff that ends up on the record is a combination of live drums and sampling and programming and sometimes a bit of from this guy and a bit from this guy and a bit of me and a bit of guys programming or something and then when we have to play it live that's a it's an interesting uh, project because it's never been played as a one thing before so that 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 takes a lot of um a lot of screwdrivering and it and then that's part of the the challenge of, of of trying to communicate these songs the new songs live but ultimately they will sound different because some of the records uh, that we make have never been played as one altogether i um i'm i'm thinking back to when you guys started and um uh, let's see. We'll start with the first album. Coldplay won a Grammy with their first album, Parachutes. And uh, I would say Yellow was the biggest song off of that. This one. Beautiful, beautiful song. I love that line. Look at the stars. How they shine for you. You know, you know, I mean, it's a great line, but uh, Chris frustrates me. I'm glad the whole band is here. I've asked him what the song is about, and he goes, I have no fucking idea what that song is about. And I'm, <laughs> I don't think I that... said it as aggressively as that. <laughs> you kind of did. Yeah. You were like, <laughs> well, I'm adding a few words. I mean, seriously, you have no idea what that song is about? Um, no. <laughs> really? Boys, is I mean, that true? Is this is what he told love you? In there. Yeah, it's a gorgeous song. It is. It's, it's a wonderful song. Um, well, that's what. Uh, if I may remind you, that when that song arrived, yeah, you and Johnny were playing FIFA, or whatever that football game was. <laughs> okay, in the lounge, yeah, of the studio, and I came through and I said, "Hey, listen to this," and this is what you guys did. That's good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember, then I went to the bathroom and the chorus came through. And I was playing the chorus in the bathroom and I came back and I said, hey, listen to this. And these two were like, yeah, that's good, yeah. <laughs> that was so in, in Wales. Other words, it was in Wales, yeah. yeah. So in other words, these two guys, while they now say the song is a great song <laughs> and it's won Grammys, they had no ability to recognize that you had just written a hit song. Is that correct, Chris? None at all. Well, we didn't know what none a hit song was. But none at all. No, they were just interested in it. But also, to be fair, it was quite different to how it ended up. Oh, to be I fair. I believe yeah, it was, a, like to a be fair. Heavy metal. It was a <laughs> It was like a, it was a sort of vaguely Neil Youngish, uh, <laughs> slightly less... Uh, well, it's a bit. It's, it had a different, slower tempo, and yeah. it was no. It, it wasn't mm. the smash that no, but it came to be. <laughs> <laughs> Will, are you too hard on Chris when he writes a new song? Do you are you the guy who sits there and tells says to him, eh, "That's not so good." Are you are you sometimes too hard on him? Um, it's a good question. I I, I do genuinely feel terrible a lot of the time about um, <laughs> about having to say. My, voice my opinion on things and it's difficult and and i also have to have learned to to just keep quiet a lot of the time because as 
I know that I've been I've made some terrible mistakes in the past <laughs> in terms <laughs> of judging a song too too early. I said that song clocks. That's rubbish. That's not even a song. I think is what I said. <laughs> um, you said <laughs> another one. Wait a second. So hey, yeah, Chris a, brought you the song clocks. He brought it to mm. the band, and Will, you go. That's really bad. I, well, and by I just the way, felt like it, yeah, it didn't have a chorus. It still doesn't really. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. This is the song we're talking about. Horrible. <laughs> I love it. But that's the thing, and, and that's the. Uh, yeah. It's 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 a wonderful piece of music, and I think that I was stuck in a kind of um, mold of thinking that everything needed to have a. Uh, I was very narrow-minded, I would say, in terms of what a chorus or what a song could be, and uh, I fully, I, I ate my hat on that one many years ago. But I'll, if, if it still needs eating, I'll keep, I'll keep munching <laughs> but, away. But how, but what is, how the truth is that um, is it in Lord of the Rings where there's Saruman and then there's Sauron, who's the really bad guy? Right. So is that Sar me? No. So you're like well. the. You're like the wizard that's pretty bad. Okay. But Guy is like the wizard you don't want to fuck with at all. <laughs> oh, really? If Guy says he doesn't like a song, there's no point ever playing it again. <laughs> Guy, did you hate that song when Chris no. brought you clocks? You liked it. Uh, yeah, I got it immediately. <laughs> right. So <laughs> clever. <laughs> but if, Johnny, if, what about if, you? Well, what was your I reaction? Honestly, I think everything's going to be brilliant. I'm annoyingly positive about <laughs> about everything. I have no filter whatsoever, so <laughs> I just get ex I just get excited when there's new music and uh, and want to play on it. But but Chris, do you lay awake at night and go, you know, um, uh, you let's say you write a song and Will says to you because he's so evil, he goes, "This is a horrible <laughs> song." Um, Chris, do you then lay awake and I say, "Why did I listen to Will? Maybe that is a hit song." I mean, no, you've got to be careful, right? The truth is, he's never guided us wrong. That, That's right. That, the balance of the four of us and Phil, our fifth, and, and whoever we're working with, it's like I trust that um, shape of things. And uh, I know that if, if I really believe in something, I just got to keep keep chiseling away. And then at some point, if it's really good, Will will say, okay, that's that's good. No, so, I so love it. For whatever reason, it just works the way it works. It does. It's difficult sometimes, but I'm, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love that Will admits that he thought the song was rubbish when it came out. I just love that. That's so honest, you know. There's so many well, phonies in the business. Yeah, uh, you've got to be honest, definitely. But the, the difficulty yeah. is doing, and, and I think it's something that we all feel, uh, you know, when Chris brings a song, it's, it's I, I, the reason I feel terrible is because I'm not, I'm not bringing anything in, um, you know, as in its place. I, I can't say, hey, that's terrible. But have you heard this? What about this? You know, I've been working on this. Well, that's not true at all. <laughs> But it, well, it kind of is. <laughs> but yeah, we, have, we, have a, we have a new song called Human Heart, and I played it to Will, and he said, yeah, the beginning's brilliant, and the second half I don't like, and I wonder if you could just repeat the beginning again, but tell it from the female perspective. So it's, like, we're, it's a very good A&R system in the band. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's hard sometimes to write by committee, really, and then, um, and then most times it usually ends up making the song better, you know? It's... Um, but what do I know? I'm not in a band. I wish I was in a band. <laughs> you know, there's still time. Is, is it the greatest experience in in life? I mean, seriously. I as a as a as a young boy, I would fantasize what it would be like to be in a in a band. Of course, I imagined I would be getting laid constantly, which I think you guys are. Are you not? I mean, uh, Chris, we know your story, uh, obviously. 
But, uh, um, you know, I just imagined that it would be godlike. Thousands of people worshiping you, uh, your, your, your music touching all these people. Is it all it's cracked up to be? Are you happy uh, with this? And, and, and what has it been like for you? It's a big question. Um, I don't think there's anything. I can't imagine doing anything better or more fun or more exciting. Um, you know, we've traveled so many places. You know, we've, we've probably traveled to, to more places, you know, than we would have traveled in 50 lifetimes, you know, working in a bank or something. Um, but you know, there's amazing highs, and of course there's lows, and of course there's definitely spinal tap moments. You know that people don't get. <laughs> what get are the lows? See. Are the lows the the traveling and being away from your family, um, the road, so to speak? Uh, that has been challenging in the past. I think we've got a better system now for um, for working through that. Uh, but of course, you know, life is very different for us now because we've got you know there's lots of children. Um, that we have to, you know, incorporate into all of these plans. In other words, uh, now when you guys tour, you bring the kids with you and you try to keep the family together? We try to where possible. And that, 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 that's given a kind of a completely fresh perspective on, on going out touring, actually. It's kind of, it's, it's opened it up in a different way because you're seeing a lot of places that you've been to before through someone else's eyes. Yeah, you guys aren't typical rock stars. I'm thinking Led Zeppelin with, uh, you know, the debauchery, the women, the uh, drinking, the drugs. I mean, you guys you guys are worrying about an itinerary for the kids. I mean, it's very wholesome. I like that. Uh, you know what I mean? It, 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 otherwise, you probably would have broken up and gone crazy if you were still into all that kind of crap, you know? Yeah, I, I guess so. It's, yeah, it's funny. I mean, everything, like Chris said, I don't think we're unique in in that we we did all the we tend to do all the things that bands do you know on tour when you're young and you you know you have the energy and the uh you know and the bounce back ability but no i just don't uh we were always just so keen on playing music and and sometimes a lot of that stuff just tend tended to get in the way uh yeah. and that the, the the that spirit that people talk about and is really about just Pursuing your absolute, uh, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, and for us that was just about playing music together and and um, just you know staying on that journey. So I, I, yeah, I, there were distractions, but they don't last because ultimately they they distract from what's important, and which is the band and the songs and the music. How many kids are on the tour now? I mean, what's what's going on there? It sounds uh, if they were all huge. out together, it would be. Uh, uh, three, six, eight, nine, t- uh, ten. Oh, with Phil, thirteen. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a like a yeah each preschool. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what a cool thing, though, for kids. I mean, do your kids? Do your kids? Is it dangerous to take your kids on tour because they start to look at you in a different way? In other words, uh, you know, you're no longer dad. You're this guy that thousands of people worship. In a way, maybe it's not even a good thing because you're taking the spotlight away from them. I think it's quite the opposite. I think they've got the most amazing ability to slice us in half and, and level us back down to down yeah. to the ground. Like one time, one of the kids was six, 
backstage and they said, hey, we're out of coke. <laughs> Get me some smack, you. <laughs> so. yeah. Those kids grow up fast. <laughs> But I think um, it, the, it, trying to get your uh, our kids a, a wide range in age, but certainly the teenagers have a a, uh, a kind of ability to just to, to just completely ignore or disregard whatever it is the parents do, and so actually taking them and reminding them that their their dads are actually well used to be cool, or at some point <laughs> some people right. think they're cool. It's actually really it's really lovely, and um, my kids are like ah. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> You're actually all I right. I always thought my kids would think I was the coolest, you know? Like, I was Fartman on MTV. I'm Howard Stern <laughs> on the radio. They they couldn't... They they just did not care. They were like, you know, yeah. you're just a regular douchebag. And, we, and you know, they, they, it's true. They, they just <laughs> thought, I thought, I thought I'd be the coolest... Yeah, they, I thought I'd be the coolest dad in the world, you know? But... So so this song, I'm, I'm building up to the live performance here because, okay. uh, and, and, and to the new album, but uh, I want to talk about this song, too. Another huge hit for this band. The Scientist. Is this another case, Chris, where you walked in with the bare bones of the um, of the song and showed it to the band? Um, yeah. And what was the reaction? That's a sad song, that. But it's also not. Um, what was the reaction? That was that was a go. Yeah, was, we loved it. That was it? a four thumbs up. Oh, Six no kidding. Up. Yeah, that was a. There was. I think that's the song that. Certainly on that record was the one that, it, as soon as it came, I think we all were like, okay, that's that's absolutely no-brainer. And it, would, it was one of the, you know, I guess when, you, when we're writing, songs come up and become pillars or foundations for the album. You need, a, you need a, two or three or four, ideally, you know, to, to really hold the thing up. And that was, that was the one that was the kind of the most important pillar for that record. It was just such a... I remember, I think we went, you were in Park Street up in Liverpool. I was in Liverpool, yeah. And we went home for the weekend and Chris stayed. And then we came, we came back on the, the Monday morning and he said, I'm going to play you this one. Have a listen. And it was just a, I think, and then not long after that we, re we recorded yeah, we it in the it, afternoon. The, it the, was done. The vocal and the piano on that recording are the one from the day that the song arrived. So that's just the first time it was ever sung. Basically. What do you mean? You you put it down on like a, a small machine and said, No, hey, I was let in a studio. Just... I was I in see. a studio called Par Street in Liverpool. And um so I just did I did the piano and the vocal the vocals. Um just and it was happening and uh that that was that's that's why some of the lyrics are slightly murky because they're not real words. Really? In yeah. other words, you came up with this song, you were excited about it, you ran to the studio, you do a quick recording. Studio. Right. Oh, yeah. I see. That's where you came up with it. Like, you sat in a studio all weekend, yeah. and when you hit it, you said, hey, I want to get this down. You yeah. did it in one take, and that's well, the like take that we hear? Then. Two takes. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's why some of the lines are a bit, like, mumbly-mumbly, because I didn't want to change them. 
but why did you why did you keep it being the perfectionist you are? I would assume you'd say to yourself, "Well, hey, I'll fill in those words later, and then I'll get in the studio and do it again." You know, how do you know? Did you? Yeah. How do you know? I don't know. You just how do you know when you're feeling good about what you do? It's just what feels right in your heart. I think there's something called um, that that we use sometimes called demoitis, which is when you do a demo of a song and then you try and record it, you know, properly afterwards. You always end up kind of loving the demo version better because it yeah. just captured something special and i think this was probably something along those lines you know you're right i mean when now when the, all these bands go back in retrospect and they release their demos and you hear some of the demos you know even when the beatles did it you go oh my god that was great why didn't they just yeah. leave the demo there was a certain magic it was a certain spontaneity to it that you lose when you keep going over it and over it and over it yeah and uh, i'm shocked by that have you seen you know, any of um, Have you seen any of the Beatles movie Get Back, the new one? I haven't seen it yet. Did you okay, go to that? We, the, I went that. to see a, a bit of it, and it's really beautifully done. But it's cool because it really lets you sink into that process, and you could, you're like, which take of Get Back are they going to keep, and that mm. that kind of thing. It's, it's nerdy, but it's wonderful. Is it in Middle Earth? It's a, <laughs> Peter Jackson put the Beatles in Middle Earth. Cool. Just checking. <laughs> I mean, does that inspire you when you see a movie like Get Back and you and you go, man, oh, that's how they did it. Maybe I'll try that. Uh, can you learn something from that? Well, I think what you learn, what, what's really beautiful about this film is that um, it reminds you that for all the mythology and the mystique and the rumors and everything, that, that, that they were four friends, too. And um, it's, it makes you, it make, it's certainly the way, the bit I saw, it just reminds you of, the humanness of it all, because that's what we all are ultimately. It right. shows you the humanness of Paul and John and Ringo and George, and the humanness of Yoko, and how much, you know, I, I'm I think Yoko made the Beatles better. That's that's my opinion. And, how uh, so? Because I feel like her and John is sort of exploded into color, and um, hmm. she brought this whole new realm to his life and to their life, and. Um, you know, every, everything after they met, that everything John did after that is so vibrant, and um, and she's a genius in, in of her own volition, of her own volition, no, of her own, in her own, in her own right. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, I've interviewed Paul McCartney, and I've asked him about when Yoko used to sit in the studio, and, and like it seemed to really irritate him. And he said, you know, now I look back on that, and he goes, John was in love with Yoko. Why didn't I just let? So he wants his girlfriend sitting there so what so let her sit right. there if it makes him feel better but at the time you get so fucking bent out of shape like only a musician should be in here you know you can get so wound up in your own bs that uh you know you, you miss the moment and he even says it was just so let her sit there i don't see why we got all upset about it yeah there's also you know being a band nowadays is that we, we have so many of those films and stuff to watch that you can see like Joe Strummer in a film about the Clash said, "I wish we'd taken a break here." Or so, so we, we, we get to see the places which tripped other bands up and say, "Well, you know, let's take a break, or let's let's be more understanding about this person's thing." You know, it takes it. It's like a relationship. It takes a lot of work. And um, yeah, I had Metallica on recently. We had a, a great show with them, and they. Those guys are classic at that. I mean, they, they literally went to, like, group therapy to straighten out their, their stuff, and now they're doing mm. great. 
Um, yeah, do you know those? Do you hang around with those guys at all, Metallica? I've not met them. No, I've met, I've met Lars. I've only met Lars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it reminds me a lot of what you guys are saying, just in terms yeah, well, of how it's a marriage. There's yeah. a great film about them called Some Kind of Monster, which oh, is brilliant, great. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah really, but it's really true. As, as, much as, as much as we have to work on our musical relationships, we, we also work on the, in the personal relationships. It's really important because we know that the thing that is unique to our band is the, is the, you know, the chemistry between the four of us and the five of us with Phil. And that's the most, that's sacrosanct. That is the thing that requires work. That's the thing that requires uh, care and looking after. And so it's really important that we do that musically, but also as friends. And, and as we're so privileged that we've, that we've had such a long time to get to know each other. And, and our sort of the, I think, I feel like our sort of interpersonal relationships are better than they've ever been. You know, we, we just, we're lucky that, nothing came to really fuck things up you know too badly so we're all it's just such a privileged position to be in a band with your mates and your strength of your friendship is is getting stronger and stronger it's wonderful yeah no you guys are right working on that personal so what does that mean working on personal relations like you'll make a, an effort to call each other when you're not around each other check in with each other um well you wouldn't yeah, go as far as group therapy would you um I would never rule anything out. In terms, if it, if it meant that we were going to keep our band together, I would absolutely not rule anything out. I think it's just learning about what everyone needs. You know, we're, we're all we, we're all pulling in the same direction. We just kind of get there at, at different speeds or you know at different times, and recognizing when people need some space or recognizing when people need a hug or people need uh, you know to to be questioned on something. Or it's just learning about what everyone needs to make sure that at going forward we can all do our jobs and um and be happy touring and recording and it's just you know it, it's it's just noticing really and, and being careful with each other and just making sure that everyone is is feeling happy you know one of the things i know about you guys when you guys were coming out with your third album x and y I know you were feeling a lot of pressure as a band. Like if any, if any, at any time in your history, the band was really going through a hard time, which is like, oh God, how do we keep this whole thing going? I mean, it really is pressure. The more famous you get and the more hits you have, it's like, oh, I don't want this to be over. I don't want to disappoint anyone. And um, I know you guys have, have said you were struggling, and now you're going to play "Fix You," which. Uh, for me, it's, a, it's one of the most beautiful songs Coldplay has ever done, and I'm glad you're going to do it live. Um, but, uh, Chris, when you wrote this, you, you've uh, famously said you wrote it for your wife, then-wife, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, who had just lost her father. And you said, you know, I wrote this song because of my desire. I want to fix my wife. I want to, I want to fix her broken heart. She's lost her father. Um. That's that's a lofty ambition, but it generated a fabulous song. So sometimes out of the worst thing, uh, the worst tragedies is when it moves you to write a song. Am I correct? That's the yeah. yeah. It's a great motivator. Yeah. Did it help her when you uh, yeah. presented the song to her? You'd have to ask her. I don't know. I've had her on my show. She talked to me about it, and so she was she quite say? proud of it. <laughs> she she said she said no. She said it was a beautiful thing that you know. I mean, what did you do? Did you say, oh, my wife is broken, I want to fix her, 
and then you go, I'm trying to understand the process. You go into another room and you say, okay, I'm going to use this theme and I'm going to what? Come up with a lyric about fixing a person? Is that how it works? No, I think, um, well, maybe it was a title. Some, a lot of songs start as titles and then I'm just looking the whole time and playing and listening and then you can just feel when a proper song wants to push through. Uh, it's hard. Oh. It's like I, I would describe it as what maybe a surfer does or a fisher, fisher person. You know, you have to sit there and do your thing, but you can feel when something's biting. You know, you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was like that. And um, that song happened in two halves, one half in London, and then I was in Chicago and the second, the sort of bigger part of the song came through. So, But I, I don't really know where it comes from, but I, I do know that it was around that time and around that motivation, yeah. When you played it for her, did she get it? Did she understand the song? I, I don't remember. She was always extremely, um, and still is, extremely encouraging. Yeah, I, I tried writing songs for girls. You know, it yeah. didn't work out. You know what I mean? But you did okay, man. Oh, yeah, You're doing all right. I, You're a great person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a real charmer. No, but I'm saying, too, this idea that you had the title first. Like, I know on La Vida Loca, you said... Um, no, well, not La Vida Loca. Uh, the, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm getting old. Did you write that? My no, he, didn't, he doesn't want credit for La Vida Loca. Do you like La Vida Loca, by the way? We, we Viva it. La Vida. On Viva La Vida, you said you had the title first yes, right yes and yes. and you said hey man you even tried that title on eight different songs yeah so you're saying on this one fix you like you had a title for us the song was titled fix you before there was a song yeah wow i've it's never heard anyone like say that it's almost like uh uh when you set something up at night to catch the water do you know what I mean? Where people yeah, are surviving. Yeah, we, all, we all do that. They set a tarpaulin up or something to gather the dew. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So I feel like a title sometimes is a sort of invitation to, hey, if any song wants to come down. Have you ever but, met uh, any other songwriter who said, I get the title first and then I write the song? No, but I, I, I've, never, I've met so many other songwriters who admit that we, we don't really know where it's coming from. Who do, are there? Are there musicians you guys go to to talk about actually playing? Like, like, well, we'll go to a drummer and say, "Hey, how how do you do this?" Are there mentors that you guys have? Do you ever, Chris, go to a songwriter and say, "How do you do it?" I I, I need some inspiration here. Uh, Johnny with guitar, same thing. I mean, you know, whatever. I think when we were starting out and playing shows with other people, festivals especially were always so exciting to me because you get a chance to see like eight other drummers. And I was, I was not a, uh, still not a particularly proficient drummer, but I, I just, especially in the early days, I remember feeling very sort of insecure about playing the drums with, with lots of other, you know, drummers around. And I remember just literally watching, watching every, watching everyone, watching how they had their feet on the drum pedals, watching how they held their sticks, what kind of drums they were using, just trying to soak it up because I think I, I wasn't really sure what I was doing. So I think that was a great education. And then sometimes, you know, you meet people on the road or at shows that, and they have a way of doing something which is interesting or a way that uh, they can, um, you know, perform a certain song or a certain 
you know, a certain beat or whatever. And, and I definitely am still interested in asking them how they do that. And then sometimes it's, you get the chance to meet some people who are in a kind of similar position. Like occasionally I've had the good fortune to have a nice conversation with Larry Mullen from U2. And I think, um, that's a, that's always an interesting perspective, because uh, obviously his band is, they're, they're so huge. And it was a really useful, just such a, you know, he was very kind and very uh, generous with his, thoughts and advice and so that kind of stuff is really is really so it's invaluable johnny you got a guy who uh you, i mean not you so talk much from the guitar but um we had some amazing advice from people along the way you know um early on it was like ian mcculloch from uh echo and the Bunnymen. he would come in the studio a lot and tell us what kinds of songs we need to do <laughs> and, uh, and i remember i remember um after we we supported you two in uh, in ireland in uh, i must have been like 2000 or something and, and he, um bono invited will and i round to his house the next day and he was he was uh, telling us what to do as well <laughs> mm. he's very generous with he was his, so lovely generous with his advice absolutely yeah i mean that these... was I mean, that blew um, our minds, you know. We were, we, we're just sort of kids straight out of college and we're suddenly in Bono's house in... Yeah, with Woody Harrelson. <laughs> really? Remember he said, he, remember he told you, you said, how do we get there? He said, just get in a cab and ask for Bono's house. Yeah, yeah. So we just got in the first cab we found. He said, take us to Bono's house. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Don't be enough. <laughs> it's right, right there. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. <laughs> How generous of Bono, though, to, like, actually give you guys advice. I mean, was it good advice? I mean, or do you just kind of, yeah. like, do your own thing? Yeah. He told us to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's good advice, right? Get out. Yeah. Wow. What about you, Guy? You, you um, got a um, hero on bass or somebody I think, who... Well, there's definitely a few. and um, I, I'm really just a big believer in finding your finding your passion in life and if you if you really find something that you're that you're into and you're really passionate about then things will flow into you just through you know from from that interest of that subject and for me it was always about just absorbing and listening to music and then you know trying to learn how to play it on whatever instrument bass or whatever so when i was a teenager it was it was all about motown and soul and funk and i would just go up to my bedroom after school and listen to those records and then figure out how to play it on the bass you know and just play it over and i didn't even have an amp which made it quite challenging because basses are quite quiet <laughs> when they're not plugged in yeah so i remember I just think, you know we talk a lot about you know for instance just trying to encourage like i really want to encourage my children not to kind of just kind of go through an education system for me it's more important it's like i really want them to find just find something you love and focus and focus on that because then it's not work it's passion mm. um and and so i think for me it was just about exploring as much music as possible and going through different genres through different years and just always being curious and and always wanting to find more and always want, wanting to constantly discover things yeah, I wonder where that drive comes from sometimes. I think about that, like what you're saying. I've heard other musicians go, you know what? If you have the desire and if you just put in your 10,000 hours and you practice and practice. But let's be honest. Some people can practice for 10,000 hours and they still suck. They just can't get it. You know what I mean? It, it's, it, I don't think it's sheer will, right? There has to be some talent. Or is it sheer will? 
to become a great bass player. You do? I think it's both, yeah. What, what, what's yeah. your story? What, how did uh, you get to I, be you? I, I, you want to know something? My story, and yeah. it's the God's honest truth. I always wanted to be on the radio to impress my father. Right. And, and uh, because it was, it was the only thing that impressed him. He was a radio right. engineer. And when I first got on the radio, I was so bad at it and so nervous that I'm, I'm happy to tell you, and it's the truth, I was the worst person ever on radio. I couldn't get jobs. I was awful. I had no delivery. I was awful. There was no, it was just everything was bad. Even the music I played was bad. And it was like so awful. But I swear to you, I was so determined. I listened to radio. I lived it. I breathed it. I didn't think about anything else. And I willed myself to be good on the radio. I believe yeah. it, it was very little uh, talent involved. That's the same um, for us. You have very little talent. You see, yeah, yeah we man. have a bit of talent. We have, we, have, no, we have talent, but you know, you have right. talent, so we make it go no. a long way. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. No, I remember. I read. I read a quote once from Guy that uh, he said um, he he was ra- he loved listening to records and funk. And your your theory was, whenever you look at an album cover, whoever had the biggest afro had the most talent. For some reason, you equated afro. Do I have that right? You equated afro. I, think, with I mean, talent. I think I did say that once. Yeah, um, yeah. A very and long I read time it. ago. But I used <laughs> yeah. to be. You know, you you say, people say you can't judge a book by its cover, but. I actually disagree with that entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Me too. Um, what, what's Robin's so, story, quickly? How it, what, what, Robin's story DJ is that story? she's in love with me. Robin, what is your story? What is my story? I didn't even know what I was supposed to be doing. I was a nurse. And wow, uh, really? I just knew I was not fulfilled by that uh, profession. And I knew I had to go out and find what it was I was supposed to actually do. And I sort of stumbled into radio by accident, but it was where I belonged, you know. And once wow. I got there, I knew this was where I belonged. Wow. Yeah, Robin was a captain in the Air Force as a nurse. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was a big deal. Yeah. And uh, big deal. <laughs> and I won't go. I won't go into when she straddled her patients. That's for another time. <laughs> but uh, you guys would love it. But you know, you talk. You know, listen. Let let's let's have some fun. You guys love to play, and I and I want you to play before you fall asleep because it's very early in the morning. You're not used to playing this early in the morning, are you? No, no. But we got no. up early to be. It now feels normal. It does. I was okay. in, I was in the gym. I've never even. Knew that hour existed. <laughs> there is another five in the day. There's one in the there's one in the morning oh. as well as the afternoon. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. You go to a regular gym like you go where like other people are. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you do. I go regular do they, everywhere. Do they bother you? Nope. Really? I mean, people sometimes say hello or they ask if you using that machine like that. <laughs> really? No kidding, man. If I you finish with that, you finish with that machine. Got that. Oh, come on. But, I'd be like, hey, there's Chris from Coldplay. How can I insert myself into his life? Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes, yes. I don't know, man. It's all very confusing at the moment. But yeah, yeah. At the gym this morning, it was fine. What is all confusion? Listen, what is going on with you with all this confusion? After this song, I'm going to get to the bottom of all your confusion. I'm going to help you with it. You're going to straighten him out? I'm going to straighten him out right after this song. I'm excited about this song because, um, as we said, this song was really an important song to the band. Again, 
the band was in a place. Am I right, Chris? The band was in a place where I, I think the third album, you were kind of like, ah, you know, yeah, can we, we keep delivering? What, yeah, what, why were, were you fucked at this point when this song came out? Well, I mean, what, what was going on? Well, when the song came out, we were, our fifth member, Phil, had left for a while. He, he right. was having some health issues. And uh, within the band, we had some addiction stuff and we had strange relationship stuff and trying to adjust to being... I mean, we were lucky that we were never the coolest thing. We were never the biggest thing. So we never had to go through, like, Michael Jackson-type craziness. But... Even in our way, there was a lot changing and dealing with a level of fame and a level of relationships and, you know, just everything, everything but the music kind of took over. Mm. And, uh, and I think we even lost touch a little bit with that. Why are we doing this? And we all, we sort of lost touch with our audience because in between that came all the business and the share prices and the paparazzi and all the stuff we'd never dealt with before. And, um, yeah, but we, we, in fact, it was only because of that song, Fix You, that we survived that time because there's something really lovely about that song and it, and it took us through the whole time. That was the first time we had like the worst reviews and all, all of it. Things that wow. we just had never prepared for. And this song, in other words, because when you make a whole album, you got to start with one song that turns yeah. you on and gets you motivated to do all the yeah. other songs. You get so excited about it. Yeah. Uh, that it inspires you, and then you guys sort of came together creatively, and you're like, fuck all that other stuff. We're about the music. Yeah, well, we didn't say that till the next album. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we were, this, this period of time was very difficult, but we got this song for it. And we got and Phil back. It? We got <laughs> Phil back, yeah. Yeah, Phil's another story I got to talk to you guys about. I got to yeah, figure yeah. him out what the hell he's up to. But, 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 but <laughs> Fix You, even though you wrote this about your wife's father dying, it really was about the band and fixing the band. Yes, I, yeah, who knows? I don't know. I know. It's about, you know, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I do that. know. What do you mean you don't know? Yes. It's, it's, it, it, it's a beautiful song. Do you still like singing the song? Yeah, I love singing it, yeah. But Should we do it? We, we on Saturday, well, this is live, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does, is it Tuesday? Tuesday? Wednesday? We, uh, we, uh, so when, today's Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. Okay, so on You're Saturday, such a rock star. You don't even know what day it is. It's so beautiful. Is, yeah. <laughs> no, I love we've it. been doing some other stuff, which is doesn't come out till the week after we film it. Okay. So on Saturday, we're doing a show in Central Park for a thing called Global Citizen. And we have two people coming to sing this song. And we rehearsed it with them. And that's when I thought, oh, this sounds really good. I was hearing these two other people sing it. That I was like, oh. Who is it? We're, 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 you're, we're, it's another person. <laughs> what? Another person. I don't think we're supposed to say. <laughs> Two yeah. other people. Two a surprise on the why stage. Do you have, why do you have so many mysteries? Who's going to be singing with you? Who, who's doing it with you? It's just an, other pop stars. Okay, give me some yeah. names. Let me know what you're up to. I can't Who give you, you any names, man. I'll tell you, it's no not words, Billy Idol. On Saturday, you're, on Saturday, you're going to go up and perform Fix You that you're going to do now, but you're doing it yeah. with two major big stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm going to guess. If I'm okay. if I'm right, will you tell me? Maybe not. <laughs> we can't play this game. Worth guessing? No, right, Chris, worth guessing. I'm Would I'm going to come over there and find you. <laughs> I think it's um it's Bruce Springsteen. Oh well, we would do anything with Bruce, but it's not Bruce. Okay, it's should not we Bruce. play the song? No. <laughs> Look at you! Yeah. I got it. Is it is it Donnie and Marie? 
Yeah, but not Osmond, uh, Richardson. <laughs> They're not so famous. I see. You're keeping it a secret because you want it we to be a big surprise. Secret because, you know, yeah. yeah. I love that. I love when a band's on stage and they go, hey, by the way, you got to do it real cool. If I had a band, I'd be, I'd be like, oh, and by the way, here's my friends. And then I just like bring them out. You know what I mean? The crowd goes nuts. I wouldn't make yeah. too big a deal about it. No, but that's, I think that's, that's the sugar of it is the moment where you get to introduce and you get that wave of surprise and it is a real adrenaline rush. Mick Jagger? Like, uh, nah, it's not Mick Jagger. <laughs> One time we did, um, we were playing in Atlanta in 2003 and Elton came and uh-huh. we didn't tell anyone. And when we introduced him on stage, it just went crazy. Mm. It was so oh, fun. Yeah. Elton Jason, John. No. You know, we've, we've been lucky with amazing people come on stage. And it's I remember, I remember at the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I never, I remember, I never talked to you about the Super Bowl. I feel, I mean, you were very gracious, you guys, putting a Beyonce on there with you <laughs> during your Super Bowl performance and putting on a Bruno Mars. But all due respect, fuck them. I mean, you guys are Coldplay. You could have no. handled the whole show yourselves. Why, why give them that spotlight? I'll tell you the you want the real truth. Yes. So um, originally. It was the 50th anniversary, and they wanted to do a big smorgasbord of all of the superstars. But they couldn't. Hmm. It wasn't happening. And they knew that we really wanted to do the Super Bowl because we'd had a meeting the year before. So we got a call said, would you like to do it? We said, yes, we'd love to do it. And they said, but it's the 50th anniversary, and it's in daylight. So all of these things that were just, you know, our show is really designed for the nighttime. <laughs> so, and they said, right. they said, we would, we would love you to consider collaboration. So we said, okay, well, we'll, we'll think about it. And, um, the more that we sort of ruminated on it, the more what eventually happened, just, it came about so naturally. And, you know, um, we had a song with Beyonce cut, about to come out, but we didn't want to play a new song. So, so, so what was sweet was it between us and Bruno and Beyonce, it was a very natural thing. We said, would you like to come and, share this with us hmm. and uh we wouldn't do it any other way because so much of really? what we believe about so so much of what we believe in as a as a band is about collaboration in life and in music and uh so it was a very high pressure situation but we would have felt really weird if it was just us in that show it's the super bowl and you you've got to have your variety and friends i don't know you guys were doing a fine job of it and then I felt they like were they were an interruption. Six of us, whatever, that was fine. Yeah, I was, I was digging it. I was <laughs> digging it. I mean, yeah. uh, I would have been like, hey, listen, Super Bowl. We're, we're not chopped liver. We, you know, we don't need Bruno Mars and Beyonce no, on this We didn't have to do anything. That's my point, is that we, we, no one forced us to do anything. That's what we you are, wanted you to are, do. Let me say something. You are such a good guy. Boy, you're nothing well, like me. I am such a scumbag. In life and in music. And... uh so it was a very high-pressure situation, but we would have felt really weird if it was just us in that show. It's the Super Bowl, and you, you've got to have your variety and friends. I don't know. You guys were doing a fine job of it. And then I felt they like were they fine, were an interruption. of us, whatever, that was fine. Yeah, I was, I was digging it. I was <laughs> digging it. I mean, yeah. uh, I would have been like, hey, listen, Super Bowl. We're, we're not chopped liver. We, you know, we don't need Bruno Mars and Beyonce no, on this We didn't have to do it. That's my point, is that we... we no one forced us to do anything. That's what we you are, wanted you to are, do. Let me say something. You are such a good guy. Boy, you're nothing well, like me. I am such a scumbag. I mean, uh, I would have been like, I'm not... De- you're really a... De- I think it's all that Christianity growing up. Yeah. 
We're on air, man. I don't want to talk about this right now. I don't feel that way, but carry on. <laughs> okay. Um, I hear you. You know, All right. listen, maybe it's time to do a song. You up for it? <laughs> maybe we could, yeah. Segway. You know what I mean? <laughs> like maybe we could, uh, we could, you know. I'm so, you got my mind going, though. Hey, Who the hell are you performing with? I think it's Hall & Oates, maybe, or somebody. <laughs> <I'm> not, <I'm, laughs> Who the hell are you performing with? Well, anyway, Shall we sing for you? Let's do one. I would love... Do you guys feel prepared? Do you need any advice from yeah. me? Do you feel... We've been prepared that? since 3.30 a.m. <laughs> All right. Maybe it's time. I, I know my audience... They're, they're now unprepared. Yeah. My, I know my audience really wants to hear this song, and I do as well. I, it's one of my favorites that you guys do. Remember, keep in mind, this song fixed the band. It fixed everybody. And it's yeah. one of the greatest songs I think you guys do. So, uh, and it got to number 86 in the charts. Let's not forget <laughs> that. Uh, no, this this was a very popular song. Stop it already. Uh, this is this is fix you, and uh, of course the great band Coldplay. Thank you, uh, Thank which you I love. love. It's fun. Well, yeah. Do they have to get to their instruments? Yeah, we do. The, We're here. Yeah, got, I want to watch that from okay. these stools. Yeah. I love that. The boys. Let me explain. I'll do the play by play. The boys are on Thank their you. stools. Here we go. And um, they're all going to their instruments. This is the part that I I love watching. I like watching the setup. Uh, this is a great song. Thank you very much. For those of you... tried to move a stool in America, I got shouted at by the unions. Yeah, right, I'm surprised nobody that. yelled at you now. <laughs> yeah. You got Johnny on lead guitar. He says he's practiced this, he's ready to go. You got Will on drums. You got Guy on bass. And Chris doing his thing. What are you going to be playing, Chris? I'm going to sing. You're just going to sing, no instrument? Yes, please. Good, I like when okay? you focus on one thing. That's good. Thank you. I'm going to keep quiet now. Uh, all right, here we go. All right, well, let's go. Thank you. When you try your best but you don't succeed Get what you want but not what you need When you feel so tired but you can't sleep Stuck in reverse When the tears come streaming down your face Cause you lose something you can't replace When you love someone but it goes to waste
was masterful boys absolutely masterful it's nice to be called boys thank you yeah i know you guys dig that i know i know how to float your boat no you know you got it you got a tear out of me on that one it got me really yeah i swear to god i'm over here weeping like a baby that's okay man oh it's beautiful beautiful and i like hey 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 johnny that guitar thing you're playing what that is really nice thank you I wish I could do that. It's I love easy, that. <laughs> you can come and play with us anytime, man, for real. Ah, that's very, very beautiful, really. I mean, uh, just an incredibly emotional song. It's a sad, it gets me sad. You know, I only like sad music. I don't like upbeat really? songs. Yeah, I swear to you. True? It's really true. I love sad music, and that song just, I don't even, I don't even know what's going on half the time in the song, but it just gets me, you know? Most of our songs border... Will, in fact, put it best. He's like, he likes the songs of ours, which are like, you're not quite sure if it's bitter or sweet. 
And it could be yeah. either depending on how you're feeling that day. And that's how it oh, feels for most things in the two. When you and uh, on that song, when you and Johnny were harmonizing, boy, is that yeah. a beautiful sound! Your your voices blend beautifully together. When did you realize you could do that? I mean, was that in, back in college? <laughs> did you? <laughs> I just do the I just do the low octave. I, I think I'm not a very good singer. So, uh, uh, Will's got the nicest voice no, of, of the well. three of us. Of the Will, were you back there doing the harmony too? <laughs> yes, sir. Very yes. much. So. Wow, That's Will's doing crazy. the actual harmony. <laughs> oh, it's lovely. When you it's, when you guys, to... sorry, go on, go on, Howard. I would say when you guys work out the harmony for that song, like that that big moment where you come in all together, that has to be well rehearsed, right? That this isn't that's that has to be figured out. Yeah, yeah. it's taken a while us to, for for us to yeah. get that. Song we have a little. Let's right. be honest. We have a, a little help as well from tracks we recorded before. It sounds good because we make it sound good just to be full disclosure really oh yeah. i was going to ask you to do that acapella right now because i got i, got, I <laughs> just want to hear what to be honest <laughs> you're not kidding no i wanted to hear you guys break that down oh, well, i love we, it we, i think will and me could break it down but guy would refuse and johnny would refuse <laughs> would you guys if i said to you in other words it, do it for me show me how you guys break really no point i really want to see you do it <laughs> Please, no, just, I'm begging I, I you. Just, I just gave you full disclosure, man. I know, like, but we, it's just like awesome. on, when you when we when you hear it live, there's about 30 voices you're hearing. So God, it's such us, a moment. Yeah, mm, yeah, very beautiful. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're here uh, celebrating Coldplay. Um, there's a lot going on with Coldplay. All of a sudden, things are happening uh, after this long pandemic, uh, and we're still in a pandemic. Let's face it; I'm sure yeah. even playing yeah. live, you go, "What the hell are we doing?" I mean, even on Saturday, you got to worry about uh, all the protocols awesome. and everything. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, Coldplay has a new album. We're going to talk about that in a second. But um, there's also, I, I will remind you to catch their concert from the Apollo this Friday. It's going to be pretty great. It's an exclusive on the Coldplay Radio Channel, 105. And Alt Nation Channel Thirty Six, and the uh, the guys will be doing uh, a couple of tunes for you there. What do you think? About an hour or so on that one? Yeah, about, yeah, I think so. Ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't so have let's to talk with you though, do we on the radio? No, no, you're not. Channel? No, you're not. Uh, you're not. You're not. You don't have to compete with me. Believe me. Okay. That's uh, <laughs> no, but it's really. It was just really great. That was great to see. I want to. I want to talk about Viva La Vida. That's the next song you were going to perform live. And Ricky um, Martin's version. Yeah, I know, I know. I fucked up. I'll never live that down. No, yes, I'm not no, perfect. I'm not perfect. Really well, you know, it does sound like La Vida Loca. I mean, the title. I'm cool. Yeah, it's a, you know, come on. It's a pop tune, uh, La Vida Loca. You can make that. Uh, but 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 this idea of having, um, I, I'm intrigued by this. this. This song, the idea that you had the title yeah. and you wrote about eight other songs yeah. and put that title on those songs, but it didn't feel right. Yeah. Why this song? You when you wrote it, you just went, "Oh, this is the one that should be called Viva La Vida." Yeah. So wow. We were on tour in South America, in, well, in Mexico at this point, and we went. Or I forget if all of us went. Or I went to the Frida Kahlo Museum, her her old house. Yeah. And she has a painting called Viva La Vida. It's painted on a watermelon, and I was like, "Oh, that's." That's going to be the title of our next album. That just said what it's going to be, and um, 
yeah, there were a few other songs, but then uh, at that time I was reading Les Miserables, you know, the, the book of the musical. And, um, <laughs> and um, so all of this kind of French revolution, all that revolutionary language is in my head. And, uh, but then this song just kind of fell from the sky and I was like, oh, that's, that's the Viva La Vida song. And, and Viva La Vida, you don't actually sing the words Viva La Vida in the song, no, right? No. So, but is that allowed in music to name a song yeah, where you don't? How weird would it be if it was like, Mama, I just killed a man. It's a bohemian rhapsody. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you don't have to say the title. You know, because I was going bohemian like. Bohemian rhapsody. Singing you're so me. right. Bohemian rhapsody. <laughs> so sometimes see, it's okay. That's why you're successful and, and, and I can't write a song. Um, sometimes it's, it's funny. Um, my favorite thing that people do, which we've never been able to do, is something that Nick Cave does and uh, Bob Dylan is the master of hitting the title at the end of every verse, which is such a beautiful like shelter from the storm or something like that. that, that we've never managed to do that. Yeah, no, no, you've just explained something to me I didn't realize. I was like, I, I was going to call you out on that. I was going to go, you can't name a song Viva La Vida <laughs> if you don't say Viva La Vida in the song. Like, you know, the Beatles wrote Tax Man, and they sang about a guy who, you know, was a tax yeah. man. And you know you know what I mean? I didn't, yeah. I, that, it's great. You you actually, the, 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 the first time you were on our show, you played this song acoustically. Yes. Uh, on the guitar. Yes. And And you said something to me that one part of the song came to you on guitar, and the other was on the piano. Yeah. And I didn't really understand it, you know, okay. but I, yeah, I, I don't know what that means. In other words, what does it mean you came to you on the guitar and they came to you on the piano? Um, I don't get it because I'm not a musician. That's okay. It's, the fault is mine for not explaining it well enough. I would say you, I could hear where the song wanted to go. You know, it's like when the, it says, it says I want, I hear Jerusalem bells, I ring, whatever. So you just, like, well, what, what are the right chords behind that? And the verse chords happened on a guitar, and then I went downstairs and uh, went to the piano, and then the proper chords happened. It's, it's very nerdy. I'm sorry, man. It's, it's like you no, talking about no. microphones or something. Maybe no. to use your fishing analogy, it's, uh, you'd use a different fishing rod. A different fishing rod, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Right. The piano became the fishing rod and, and, uh, and it somehow brought that song out to you. Yeah, because if you, if you played that song in a conventional way on a guitar, I wouldn't have heard that there's a strangeness in... It's a very basic chord sequence, but because there was a slightly different note in there, it sounds like this fertile territory. So sometimes the instrument that you're playing the chords on is evoking some emotion that then the song can land on top of. Johnny, when you hear that song for the first time, right before you guys play this, but when you hear it, are you going, oh, man, I, I've got to come up now with the guitar part for this song, in a way. Yeah. I've got to come up with something unique. I don't want to yeah. mess this guy's song up. I want to only add to it and make it better. Is that, a, is, is that a pressure that is always with you or does, has it become easier? Well, funny enough, with that song, it was it was bigger than any other, really, because I, I think I probably came up with twenty guitar parts, and all of them were awful. So, <laughs> so who tells you they're awful? Well, I, I just felt, yeah, Will and and I I, Will's you know, even yeah. I wasn't even I wasn't feeling positive about them, and uh, and we were we were doing that song in quite a conventional band way, and it just was 
it was it was quite sort of lumpy and and not not very enjoyable and so and then we at the end of the studio session we stripped it back and took all the guitar parts off and <laughs> and uh and and suddenly it came to life and 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 we loved it so uh, you know i think part of being a guitarist is is knowing when not to play and right that song there was quite a lot of not playing on that song you're right because you like, very well <laughs> No, but that's true. The ego can get in the way. You're like, hey, wait a second. This is a good song. I'm the guitar player in the band. I am going to get my my sound on this song. Uh, it takes a bigger man to say, you know what, maybe I'm just not, th this isn't something that I should be on. Or well, I should just a back large off. Part, there's a large part of me that wants to be on in every second of every, <laughs> of right. every song. <laughs> yeah. I have to fight hard against how many bands go through that, like when they're in the recording studio and, and, and then the drummer says, hey, I don't hear enough drums on this song. You guys are fucking with me. And I mean, everybody wants to, you know, that is the spinal tap moment. You want everybody wants to ramp up on 11, you know, um, it, it can cause arguments. And, and Chris, that must be frustrating for you because you hear this song a certain way. And then when you get in with the guys, is it a touchy subject to say to Johnny, Johnny, this guitar isn't working for me? No, no, not especially not since we started working with Brian Eno in yep. 2006 because he really re-taught us how to that's this is why we share money and share credit because sometimes you've got to be paid not to play or not right. to sing sometimes right. that is your creative choice so the problem is when you have a sort of um, merit-based financial system like who, whoever plays the most notes gets the most money that's when you start fucking songs up so right. sometimes I'll be like well this song doesn't need any piano so let's take it off and um, Brian, Brian was very encouraging of the different combinations that exist between the four of us when, when one of us stops playing or two stop playing, you know, things like that. Viva La Vida ended up being the song of the year. And uh, Will, you uh, probably thought it was rubbish, right? Um, Actually, this is one that I was... Actually, he predicted that would happen. That's the truth. That I, I, oh, I, oh, you I, did? That okay. was the one, yes. That was... <laughs> the one time you said it. The one time I said it. No, I think that I, I remember hearing it... Um, and, I, and Chris sang us the, the sort of chant section, you know, the, the, the end bit. Um, and I just remember it was like sent a chill. I can still, I can feel it now. But like the, the thrill of hearing that for the first time, I, I definitely, I thought this is a, a special one. And it's what you're saying about um, trying to remove, leave your ego at, at the door is, I think, particularly pertinent for this song because, like Johnny says, we, we tried a lot of things for the rhythm of that song and it went from a sort of lumpy uh you know rock beat and we tried so many different things and in the end we just we just took everything off and just it was a kick a sampled kick drum and a bell and a timpani and that was it and and it's you know i think it's really it's such a strong flavor it's immediately recognizable and 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 it requires so in such little sort of rhythmic information because there's so much to listen to melodically and lyrically i think it's one of my favorite uh, lyrics that chris in a set of lyrics that chris has written they're just so evocative and you can you can really get lost in the words and so our job was to not overfill and to not make it you know sort of clunky and 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 overwrought so i'm really pleased that we were all able to do that for that particular song but yeah i think the, the first time i heard it i thought that's a that's a banger. And Chris, you didn't know it was going to be a hit. You were like, oh, I don't know what this thing uh, is. No, it was funny because um, uh, our, our label asked us to take it off the album, actually. 
Oh, you are kidding. I love stories yeah. like this. But Phil, but Phil didn't tell us that at the time. He only told us wow. that about six months ago. At the time, um, someone at the label said, look, you've got to take this song off. It doesn't sound like a band. And, wow. Um, it was only because of Steve Jobs, actually, that that song... Um, when, it, when it arrived, I was like, oh, this is our best song ever. And um, then it had such an amazing journey because um, then Steve put it in an Apple commercial which made it a, right. a hit song because we would we, we never get like massive pop radio or things like that but with that one song because of this Apple commercial when Apple commercials are really huge that happened and wow. then and then we got sued over it we, you know it just had such a long journey and now it's just sort of settled into this why did you get friend. sued I don't even we know got, that we, we, we got, can't talk about it legally actually oh, I'm afraid no oh, okay. we signed a thing oh. saying we wouldn't ever yeah. talk about but it, it wasn't. especially not to Howard Stern okay but the <laughs> well, point you, was yeah it was not correct that we were sued but it did I think part of me felt like um, that was the zenith of songwriting for us like we, we could never but then being sued actually just relit the fire I was like alright then if you're going to try and take that song away we'll do some other ones so it was mm. a real blessing um, How did uh, Steve Jobs heard this song and said, hey, guys, this would be perfect for my commercial. And, and probably you were torn. You were probably like, well, that'll be cool. But I don't know. Do we want to be in an Apple commercial? I mean, it's a whole deal, right? I mean, no, we were but, in. It was, it was we, we were. In. Yeah. And Steve Jobs knew like, like yeah. what happened? How did he hear the song? He just heard he, he heard the album and said, hey, I want to Jimmy, put Jimmy mm -hmm. Apple, who's friends with our manager, Dave, or they, uh -huh. they work together. And so Dave would have said. Here's our new songs, and Jimmy's job is to look for songs. And I see. I think that's what happened. But didn't we, he, we met him before that, though, didn't we? Yeah, we did meet him at uh, um, that theatre in San Francisco yeah. on the outdoor shoreline. Yes, he came to see us play. Yeah. When we asked, it was cool because we didn't really know who's, you know, we're not, but uh, we asked Steve about building a computer, his first computer in a garage. That was, that was cool to hear him talk about, like, day one. That's a cool part about being in a, in a successful band, too, meeting guys like that. I mean, Yeah, it's amazing. It's, and Johnny Ive, you know, we're so lucky we get to see him. and We're so lucky. And, well, look, we're talking to you guys. It's like we get to meet incredible people. Yeah. And Steve Jobs sat there with all you guys and started telling you this story about how yeah, he came yeah. up with well, uh, you know, I his... Got a, I got a, a button from here and a, <laughs> a thing, a circuit board, and like this. And now wow. I'm a fucking trillionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good for you. Yeah. Um, you feel up to doing this song? I would yes, love sir. to hear yeah. it. All right, the yeah. boys are it's at the Apollo. I've got to chew right, my go. You have to talk over the chair movie. When you meet yeah, Steve you Jobs, you, when you, when you uh, yeah, I'll, I'll fill. Uh, did you, when you meet Steve Jobs, do you get new iPhones or anything? Does he hand you any free gear? <laughs> I, I think so. Oh, wow, nice. Did we get a, uh, I think we normally give it to kids and stuff. Nice. All right, let's go. Right, ready well? Okay. Okay. I'll show yeah. them. Short intro, okay. It's hard to know.
That is a beautiful song, man. Wow. Listen, I don't want to be critical, but I still think you should have put Viva La Vida in the lyrics. Uh, No offense. (laughs) Where would it go, Howard? Uh, Right at the end. Where would you put it? Right at the end, I expected you to go. (laughs) Viva La Vida. (laughs) <laughs> I'm telling you, it works. You guys need me in the band. Uh, what a what a fantastic song! You know, when I'm watching that, I have to tell you, it it blows my mind because I'm thinking about the idea of singer songwriters and things. I mean, it, it's just miraculous. First of all, Johnny, I didn't even know you played piano. I didn't. I I just thought you played the guitar. I didn't know that I, about you. Well, I'm not very good, but I try. <laughs> I try. I can mash a few chords. But uh. yeah, no, you, you were doing it, and I love that move when Chris runs over to the piano. I like that whole thing. You're singing, and then you just run over to the piano at the end. I think if I was yeah. in a band, I'd do that. Yeah, I like that. This week. 
<laughs> that's new. That's new this week. <laughs> well, so what are the odds, though, when you think about it? <laughs> Chris, don't doesn't it freak you out from a? I'm talking about from a spiritual sense that you're able to write music, but you're also able to sing it. I'm thinking about like I, I when I start getting into music, the idea of the singer songwriter was a new idea. Most people who could sing couldn't write their own songs. It's somewhat miraculous to have this great voice and be able to sing those songs and write them. I mean, it's a, it's about a billion to one odds, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not a great, great singer, but I, I can sing our songs. And uh, you're right, in the old days it used to be, that's why it's called artists and repertoire. That's what A&R is. It's like right. there'd be people who would find the songwriter for the right singer. And um, then I guess with the folk movement and Bob and Bob Dylan and the, some of the blues guys and girls, you know, people are singing their own songs. And now it just feels like um, it would be weird not to do it like that. But uh, it's, I, I'm getting more interested as we get older in, you know, what happens when we don't do Coldplay records anymore, as it well. But then, then can we still do songs and other people sing them or movies or something like that? So. Yeah. Do you worry about small. your voice? Do you do you do you train? Uh, like you mentioned, you went to the gym this morning. Do you yeah, train vocally? It. You do, yeah, because yeah, you want to. Because the the, the, the instrument, yes, it, it sounds yes. It, it it sounded incredible when you guys were doing that. Not not only musically, but just the vocal quality. It just was. Well, thanks. Absolutely. Worked. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go on. It's absolutely beautiful. Is what I was going to say. But I have really? been working on it um, a lot, and because uh, I felt like I wanted to try and improve as a singer so I, so I have a teacher called Mary who's um, been my teacher for a long time but during the pandemic we stepped it up so right now I'm a really good Coldplay singer and a really bad opera singer but <laughs> I'm trying because wow. yeah, that's what, a very good she... way to just develop those muscles is to try and sing ah. opera does she yeah. teach you a way to preserve your voice in other words to uh, yeah. uh, really project but not uh, blow it yeah. out so to speak all of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like but I think it's, you know, the best tennis players in the world have coaches. And so I think at a certain point we realized, well, why should we not keep learning just because we've had a number one or something? But is there a risk? Because I know certain actors um, don't take any kind of lessons or training because they're just naturally sort of there. It is a risk who you get to teach you because, you know, sometimes the teacher knows less than the student. You're a pretty accomplished singer. And so you've got to be careful that they don't screw up your sound or uh your approach it's working yeah. for you you know yeah yeah i'm great i'm very grateful for mary my teacher yeah i know you sound did you great start a... singing in high school where did you start singing uh, i started singing in uh well this is a good hold on just one second sorry i know we're on radio uh just to cancel that call at ten thirty, please thank oh. you so much <laughs> you guys gotta be somewhere huh no, who are you no, calling who do you need uh, to call? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do sorry. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. So, I've kept you too long, probably. But we got to no, do no, that other great. stuff. Yes, yes. Lovely. Um, yeah. Um, I was in a, at a choir school, like a religious choir school, and I couldn't. Uh. I wasn't in the main choir. I was in like the the shitty choir. <laughs> so, <laughs> was that what it was called? Really? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you mean nobody, no one at the, the school No one at the school well, recognized that you had a good voice uh, not, or not or, or time. And then, but then, then we had this amazing teacher. Who was, whose job was to do music with the not so good choristers. And that's a guy called Stephen 
And he, he said, look, there's a bunch of cheap keyboards in this room. Everybody go and write a piece of music. No one had ever tried that. And then at the end of that class, he, I showed him what I, what I had. And he said, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. So he, he encouraged me and helped me. And then when the first song arrived, I was like 12. And the same teacher, you know, so much in the world is about whether you have the people to help you find your thing and the opportunity right. to do it. So I was very, very blessed that I was in a place where that was encouraged and discovered. Wasn't the first song you wrote for that teacher about newspapers? Like that was the subject, newspapers. Yeah, Why did yeah. I read that somewhere? Yeah, the yeah the, the first the first song was about um, a homelessness, and the second one was about the the, the fucking press. Mm, nice, <laughs> angry guy. On your back. Uh, Twelve-year-old. I was really angry. Twelve-year-old critics. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. You know, it's Boy, funny when you guys were when you guys were performing. I was thinking that, like, like I just was amazed by that you could write songs and be able to sing them because I was thinking of like like guys like Pete Townsend, who is such a brilliant songwriter. I mean, the music of the Who is ridiculous, but he's got to have Roger sing his song. And I wonder if that fr wouldn't that frustrate you if you weren't able to sing a song you wrote? I don't know. I, th I think, um, yeah, I don't know because I know Pete can sing. He sings. Yeah, don't I know. I've cry, seen him. Don't raise your eyes. Yeah. He sings that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But how does it feel when you write for other people? Because I get, are you writing is it through them, through for them? them. Yeah. So yeah, it's, for you don't them. feel the same kind of attachment to those well, things? Well, any time we've tried to write something for other people and we've really liked it, we've ended up singing it with them. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, we is that right? That. Yeah. You've sat yeah, down to write for... coming out on Friday, which is with another band, with BTS and... Uh, that was supposed oh, you worked to be with just those guys. Say yeah. what? You worked yeah. with the BTS, huh? Yeah. How yeah. was that? Was that fun? Amazing. Yeah. And you just wrote a, a song treat. for you wrote a song for the, the for, that you heard that they could do with you, and and you thought hey, yeah. this will work. Wow. Yeah, we're doing it together, and it's about difficult love, and so it's good that it's two very different bands singing. You're writing about difficult love. Oh, now I get it. Okay, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> okay, I get what's uh, going on. Well, I think we're supposed to see them today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, well, listen, we ought to talk about the new album then. So the boys have been working on a new album during quarantine. They told you earlier how difficult it was because all the countries were trying to stop this album from happening. <laughs> yeah, borders, borders were closed. Borders were closed. Borders were closed. came together to make it very yeah. difficult for us to do that. Uh, I had to step in and sneak the boys in through Mexico, as I mentioned, <laughs> yeah. and they got finally to perform together. But there was a real uh, difficulty getting this. The new album is called Music of the Spheres, and it's a space-themed album. Now, I was immediately struck, uh, guys, that some of the... This was very unusual. Some of the songs... I can't tell you the title of because they're emojis. You guys used emojis. This is unusual. There was a Saturn emoji I saw. There was a star-looking thing emoji. Uh, what's going on here, and what am I supposed to do about this? You certainly can't sing the title of those songs in the song. <laughs> so right. It's very original. <laughs> well, well, okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, <laughs> it was just the concept of... Why do things have to be called normal calling things? <laughs> you guys are out there, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's very Prince-like, you know. Where, where did the letter B come from? Well, someone just made it up. So, right. And, and emojis are part of our language now. So those, are, they are. Those, four, those four pieces on the album don't have any words 
well, one of them does, but um, just it just looked cool, and we like we like it. This is you know how this came about. I figure you're so busy with that iPhone logging in different titles for your songs. You're busy on there, and now you got influenced by these emojis. Very much, but so, it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think it's very original. I mean, it, it certainly speaks to our times that some of the songs are emojis. Let's talk about the song on this album that uh, you guys are going to perform now. Yeah, And okay. uh, do you get pushback from any aspect of your, your business situation when you decide to record a 10-minute song? Most people don't do 10-minute songs these days. Mm. Was there an argument about this? Uh, well, um, it... When it started life, it was a it was much shorter and more conventional and and I think we all when Chris brought it to us, we all agreed that we loved it and then a few weeks later, Chris sent through a version of the song which had been embellished by all of these kind of classical inspired segues and intersections and we sort of scratched our head heads for <laughs> for a moment um, but I decided it was just so out there that it was brilliant and um, and we embraced it and then we had the challenge of course of then in, you know arranging and you know adding instrumentation to such a kind of a you know well for us it's probably the most complex piece of music we've ever written and recorded um, so it definitely took a minute um, but I don't think we ever worried about any kind of commercial uh, fallout from having such a long song. Yeah, no, I mean, the whole album is, as you guys have said, is like space-themed. And uh, it reminds me, uh, the, the, the song we're talking about is called Coloratura. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, it's, it's not an emoji. Well. Thank you for not making that an emoji. Coloratura, um, this being the longest song the band ever um, recorded, and I was thinking about... Um, it's got a big sound. It's kind of like I almost want to say to the audience, they should listen to this song when you guys do it with headphones on. Like it would be a very, I remember being a kid and listening to the Moody Blues. And sometimes they would do these really big songs. And I have had headphones on. And it was like kind of a mind-blowing experience. And I get that vibe from this song. I, I, I like how big it is. It's a big sound for you guys. It feels different. It's really kind of you to let us. I don't think we've, have we played this in public yet? Uh, no, this is the, the first broadcast of it. So it's really kind of you to let us play a 10-minute song on your show. Yeah, we really never I think it's thought a great it was going to get on radio. Yeah. No, <laughs> this might be the only time. Radio. Yeah. But, <laughs> came to yeah. the right place. No, no, you know why I like this? I like the idea that it's a big song, it's long, it's very cool. I, I love the song right away. I, I mean, the, the length of the song doesn't matter to me as long as no. it's good. If, you know, there are some songs I'll listen to and I'll go, I wish those guys would have recorded two more minutes on that song if it was um, really going well, you know? Yeah, so, but thanks, I, thanks for letting us play. And, and uh, it is kind of a space-themed album, but it's really just about being a human set. It's a set in another galaxy. It's really about hmm. Earth and humans, this, this one. All of our music is really... What are you saying about Earth and humans? Are we in big trouble, Chris? I, uh, judging by your no, earlier I comments, so. no. I, I feel always keep the faith, and um, I feel that the world moves towards goodness and harmony, or nature moves towards harmony. But it's very painful on the way. That's what I think. 
Are you guys, after all these years together, are you nervous about performing a 10-minute song on my show? The world is listening. As you know, everyone in the world listens to this show. Um, you've never performed it live. How many times have you actually rehearsed this as a, as a live performance? Twice. <laughs> really? Oh. No, no, no. We've played it a few more times than that. I think it's definitely nerve-wracking because it's... Um, because it's still quite new, and, and the version, the version that we built in the studio of that song is was was very much a kind of construct of, of of, a, of the studio. So it took took us a while to learn how to play it all together as one, you know, from from beginning to end. So it's um, definitely a little bit nerve wracking because there's some tricky kind of timing intersections and and weird little segues, as Guy said. But it's um it's a challenge. It's quite nice to feel to feel challenged and to feel the pressure of a of a live performance and as you said in because everyone in the world is listening so it's uh, you know it's a big uh, it's a big deal no i love this because you know it, look you guys know how to play your your hits so to speak and you know your concert show now you're doing something that's fresh it's new it's not overly rehearsed I'm picturing you guys somewhere before this performance together like you know yelling at each other yeah you got that wrong you asshole why didn't you get that right i could see a lot of uh right there's a lot of uh stopping and starting to get this thing right am i correct i think you're right absolutely um, but we're getting there now i think but by the time we by the time we play it which is in a few minutes i think we'll be ready all right you guys are going to play this song coloratura from your brand new album right now it's a 10 minute song and we as an audience are not only going to try to enjoy it but we're also going to sit here and see if we can find mistakes and make sure that you guys, that's right. We want to see a top-notch performance. Don't be too nervous, boys. I'm here with you. No. I know Thank it's, you. I know you rehearsed. No pressure. No pressure here, but we would like a perfect performance of this. The boys have been working on it. Coldplay, brand new song. You can understand they have never played this live in front this of an audience quite before. exciting, Howard. This is a you. Stay with me, Robin. Excitement will always be in your life. <laughs> well, so far, so good. Coldplay's new album, Music of the Spheres, drops October 15th. Well, you can catch their drop. concert from the... Mm. Uh, drops. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> hey, I'm like a regular Casey Kasem. <clears throat> and catch their concert from the Apollo this Friday on Coldplay Radio, Channel 105 and Alt Nation, Channel 36. And I'm going to turn it over to Coldplay now. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Robin. We, we love you guys very much. We love you. you. Yeah.
So it's a slow 
Seemed like 10 minutes to me. In fact, boys, the bad news is it was only nine minutes and 58 <laughs> seconds. You have to do it again until you get it right. Uh, I detect the problem. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you, that is Thanks a beautiful <laughs> song. Congratulations on that. It's so much fun to watch, too. I, I can't wait for the audience to actually see the performance as well. It's really fun watching you guys. Slide guitar action. Yeah, it's going to be so drums, special. The bass. For the people at the Apollo watching, yeah, it's beautiful. Are you going to do that at the Apollo? I certainly hope so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's the plan. Oh, beautiful guys! Good job, man. Thank you, Howard. And Thanks barely practice. Orchestral. <laughs> it's cinematic. It's beautiful. The other Thank bad you. news is I think you missed your eleven o'clock call too. It's, it's uh, <laughs> no offense, <laughs> guys. I can't thank you enough. First of all, for coming in, we celebrate your new album. We love the um, man. Just the performances live today are so special. Real treat for for my audience and and, and for us. And uh, Coldplay's new album again is Music of the Spheres. Uh, very orchestral, the very spheres. beautiful. Drops October 15th. Catch their concert from the Apollo this Friday on Coldplay Radio Channel 105, Alt Nation Channel 36. Fellas, thanks for all this special time. Sorry I kept you so long. It just was so in. Yeah. Uh, how it, uh, both Johnny and Will were like, oh, I don't know, I'm nervous about how it's done. And I said, so was I whenever we first talked about eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, he was great, right? You were lovely. Thank you, Howard. And Rob, I was. <laughs> yeah, thank you both. It's very sweet. It's, no one, it's very difficult to talk to all four of us at once, and you've been amazing. You know, it, it, it was kind of interesting to see the dynamic from my point of view, because I got to speak to Chris alone, and then uh, to see you guys all together, it's a whole different feel. And watching you perform together, man, I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, it's just, it's, it's really great. I'm glad you got the album. I, I even have said to people, this album is so good. I, I, I think it was worth bringing the new COVID variant to this country. Like you guys know you started them. Um, by the way, uh, if I may make a request. Uh, well, they, and, they did show, not show their nerves. If they were nervous, yeah. they did not show it. No, it was great. It was great having you guys. And, and by the way, uh, for those of you who are real fans of Coldplay, next time, just will. Uh, <laughs> none of the rest of the guys that's it but i know you guys rarely do interviews all together i don't know why but you rarely do and um 
if you were nervous, man, we didn't detect it like Robin just said. And I want to thank you for doing this. I've kept you way too long. And, uh, Not at I'm all. Sure it's you guys... been a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so much. Grateful. Great seeing you. And, uh, all right. We love you, man. Love you, too. Oh. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. There they go. There goes Coldplay. That's... Oh, that yeah, was... That was beautiful. Such a treat. That really was. I love interviewing musicians. I love talking to them about the process. I love I love hearing about their struggles. I love it all. Well, it was interesting to me, you know, like, the first of all, the dynamic was great to see all four of them in the yep. same room at the same time and yeah. to hear about the relationships they have with each other. And then uh, there was something I had never noticed before, that Chris doesn't want to take credit for writing the songs. He yeah, says well, they're sent to him. Yeah. You know, because at one point you were saying something about one of the songs. He said, well, when that was sent to me, I know. I then well, brought it to the other guys. And I didn't realize he had such a a spiritual nature. I knew he was a gentle uh, person, but I'd never recognized that before. Yeah, in fact... Uh I heard him too, and I and I said to him um, the last time. I said to him, "Whoever's sending you those songs, can you ask him to send me a song or two so that I could get in on this racket?" And uh, I think he's going to do it. All right, listen, we've uh, we've stayed way past our bedtime, and uh, we have to leave. But uh, thanks to Coldplay, I know I keep promising to get to the OJ stuff and the uh, oh Debbie the Come Lady and Jeff the Vomit guy. And so many other things and the Karens. Somehow I think that stuff will stay good. (laughs) It'll stay good. Don't worry about it. And, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people on the phone want to talk about Coldplay and stuff, but uh, I think um, uh, I think we're going to call it a day. I got to go pee real bad. And uh, by the way, if you love uh, interviews with uh, musicians, Dave Grohl just wrote a book. He's going to be on next Tuesday. He is uh, amazing. The book he wrote, I really recommend it. It is just not available yet, is it? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. You know, they sent me a copy over the summer. Not yet. I read it. Yeah, it's not available yet. Well, I read it over the summer, and it was just, I was like, oh, this is very satisfying. Like, he talks about Nirvana. He talks about Foo Fighters. He talks about music and and just his life, and it's really well done. So he'll be joining us next Tuesday telling us a couple of stories about his life. Uh, but uh, until then, everybody, uh, bye-bye, and we'll see you next time.